Wow. This is weird. It says you're unavailable. Well, I'm because I'm talking to you. <laughs> Am I buzzing? Uh, you're hissing a little bit. Oh, hold hold on, because I couldn't remember which port it was. Hold on, I'm going to yeah. do a, a hot swap here. Hot hold swap. on, hot swap it. How about now? Uh, you're. I think you're on the other mic. The like. No, oh, not, how, how about now? Much better. Okay. Much, oh, much wow. better. All right, I got to remember that. So, um, uh, so, so back port in the morning, sailors delight. <laughs> Uh, front port i don't know spring forward port spring port back yeah i don't know anyway it's the one the one the one the one that's close the one on the right hand side that's closer to me is the buzzy one the one on the left the the left i don't know about the left hand side uh that's where you pass the duchy (laughs) (laughs) this is there's no duchies here this morning though no no and but i we i mean we could just talk about ska music uh for, for a while this morning i would be fine with that i I'm really trying to get my kids into ska because it's uh, it, it's kind of a fun thing to listen to. Uh, so so we you know we we might listen to the specials. We might listen to um, more of the specials because that's the only ska band I can think of right now. Uh, but I, yeah, so I, I yeah. So speaking of speaking of reggae generally, I for some reason I was I was looking I was looking for some something to 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 give a gift back to somebody, and I was and I found this Bob Marley video on YouTube with that had captions turned on. Um, but it was like the the captions were like stupid cat like like not they were the artificial intelligence captions. Oh, awesome! And apparently Bob was talking about uh, King Arthur Flower, <laughs> which I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he was not talking about. But anyway, I, I think I, I think I I think I, my, 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 that was on either Facebook or Twitter. I'll I'll see if I can find that uh, for show notes. Oh, that's awesome! I can I, I can think of I mean we've now just brought uh, Bob Marley into the food safety world because uh, King Arthur Flower, I think we we had some, wasn't there a food safety thing with them a while ago? There was. There, well, uh, yes, there, well, there was. There, oh, good for you. Yeah. Good job. So there, King Arthur Flower, uh, I think it was uh, Shaka Talks on producing E. coli, maybe. I don't know if there were any illnesses. There we go. Found it. Uh, outbreak of E. coli infections linked to flower from 21 cases, uh, 2019. Uh, bra- several brands of cookie and brownie mix, uh, and uh, Pillsbury bread flour and King Arthur flour. But you know, so I speaking of flour, uh, like a fever dream here as we jump uh-huh. from uh, you know nine topics to to another nine topics. I I never really think about like brands of flour, um, mm. and and I can only this this will show like my my view of, of the world. I know we have like growing up, I knew there was Pillsbury flour. Like I, I knew that that was a, a brand, but like people are really serious about like King Arthur flour or what was the other one? The general mills one that, that had also had a, an outbreak a while ago. Remember uh, general mills. Yeah. Well, so I'll, yeah, while you look for that, I'll say, I know a lot about flour because my wife is a baker and she, we prefer, she prefers, uh, many of the King Arthur flour brand products. And so one of the things that I have now uh, coached her to do is – and so what she would do is she would get the bags, which are not really 
like, I mean, the bags are a cheap, a cheap way to distribute flour, but they're not the best way to store flour. And uh, I encourage her when she pours it into a sealable Tupperware, not, not you know, Tupperware like Xerox, it's a, anyway, a, a plastic sealable container that may or may not be made by the Tupperware Corporation um, to, to cut out the, uh, the lot information and like stick that to the top of the container. So because when this recall came out, we didn't know whether we had any of this product. And I think we basically worked out that it's not the specific kind or the specific size that she buys. Like it was five pound bags and I think she gets 10 pound bags. And so we were, we were confident it was not part of the recall, but, but, but now we save that lot information. That's, that's pretty cool. So we, I, I, I can't say we're doing that. I think we probably, Mm. we probably should. And I'm, this is where, you know, I, we, we've, we have talked, you and I have talked in lots of different places. I'm the primary shopper in, in the household, right? Like, cause I like, like the grocery store, um, I have, I, I certainly have not returned to the grocery stores with the fervor, uh, and, uh, and, and how, how often I was going, uh, prior to the, the pandemic, but, but I'm like, you know, once a week I'll, I'll hit up a, a Harris Teeter or a Publix or a Lowe's foods. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm an equal opportunity shopper. Maybe, maybe a Trader Joe's, maybe, uh, we got, we got Lidl here. Do you guys have a Lidl? Lidl? We do not. It's uh, it's a, I think it's German. Uh, we got Aldi also. Also. Oh wait, yeah. wait. Oh yes, we do because we do have that. Yeah, isn't it? And yeah, Lidl. Lidl is like an Aldi ripoff, right? Or yeah. not ripoff? It's a, it's that, a clone. Yeah. It's not a clone. It's a, it's a. They're 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 in the same space. They're in the same space. They got some. They got some nice German things that you that you might not get uh, elsewhere. Uh, and and actually, so um, uh, there was uh, there was a, a Lidl trip yesterday where I picked up. Um, this pizza, I, I don't have the brand in front of me, but I like, so, you know, I, I've been avoiding, um, wheat as much as I, as much as I can ma- mainly because like avoiding grains, I shouldn't say wheat. Uh, this is a part of your, uh, part of your seven 11 diet. Yeah. Part of my seven, seven diet, part of my, my seven 11 diet. It's, it's Slurpees and, uh, cauliflower, <laughs> cauliflower crust pizza. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so I, I have, I've been looking for pizza crust that is, you know, here's the, here's the challenge, right? I like oh, pizza. pizza crust that's not made out of flour. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like pizza crust that tastes like pizza that isn't terrible. And, and so Lidl's got a cauliflower one. That's like a, it's, it's a margarita pizza. It's like Lidl brand or something. And, uh, and then you could put other stuff on top of it, including other cheese, which I'm happy to do. Uh, and, and it makes, that's okay to eat. Yeah. I'm good with cheese. It's, I'm trying to avoid the, the starches and the grains and the, and the sugars, uh, as much as, as much as possible. It's, it's going, I mean, like we're, we're, I'm a full, like 18 months into this now, right? Like this is no longer a fat diet. This is, yeah. This is, this is, this is not a, a diet. This is your diet. It, this is, it, yeah. it is what you eat and yeah. how you eat. Yeah. And, and I, I'm like, you know, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent in, I'm probably like. 85% of the way there. Uh, you know, I might, I might, I might. <laughs> the other 15% is beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other 15% is beer. And then every once in a while, someone in the family is going to have French fries and I'm going to eat a few of those. And, right. uh, and maybe, maybe I'll, I'll have like a, like a hamburger bun, uh, every, right. every once in a while. Right. Uh, but I'm, but I'm still like, you know, it, it's, it's actually been, much easier to do this at home, right? Like because I can cook oh, eggs. Could, yeah. Oh, exactly. Day, which exactly. is awesome. Exactly. Uh, and and we'll like I I will uh, I'll make like a a pound and a half of bacon at the start of the week, and then keep it in the fridge and just microwave it because cook all the bacon, which is a rule that I learned from another podcast. <laughs> and and I 
I use that rule all the time in my house. When when Danny says, are you making bacon? I was like, of course. And she's like, uh, well, how much? I'm like, cook all the bacon. I mean, why would why am I putting bacon back in the fridge? And we'll we'll just uh, reheat it if we don't eat it all. So so I have that that that's happening uh, on a on a very regular basis. And well, so so yeah. in 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 bacon related news, let me just share this, which is not a, an approved bacon method. And um, although he does not follow me. On on Twitter, it was not because of this. Um, it was because I sent. I think I sent a picture of a dog. Yeah, but, no um, dog picture. <laughs> That's right. Um, I and he probably doesn't listen to this podcast either. Um, but I I ha, I uh, we we are big eaters of the turkey bacon here in this house. Mm. Um, and so and the the procedure for making turkey bacon is you can actually get some really nice crispy turkey bacon by cooking it in the microwave. And so what we'll do is we'll we'll buy some packages, we'll leave them in the fridge, and then once they're opened, um, I will cook some, and then the remainder yeah, I'll cook like just a serving, and then the remainder actually get frozen and. And then they get wrapped in parchment paper and then so they because otherwise they stick together and then I'll just like yeah, single servings with separated by parchment paper and then I'll just pull it out of the freezer and then um, microwave them a little bit to get the pieces to separate and then put them on two minutes and boom it's it's really it's really good bacon oh and, and in refrigerator related news here um, we have a new refrigerator <sighs> Is it is it a is it a Wi-Fi enabled? It, uh, there is no there is no Wi-Fi. However, it does have a very good property that the other one did not, in that it holds temperature. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a required. <laughs> that was a requirement. Yeah, um, it's a it's a ve- it's very nice. And also, in, and Kristen wanted a freezer on the bottom. Yes. So this was a French doors freezer. The old one was French doors freezer on the side. Um, the this one is is French doors freezer on the bottom, and it's it's. Gorgeous. I mean, I really, I really like it, and it's uh, yeah, it's very. I'm very happy with it. And then, and and today, maybe we'll pick out a dishwasher. Ooh, big day, so, big day, uh, big day. Oh, now, but but here's the thing: we got to We're going to redo the kitchen. Um, so even if the dishwasher arrives, uh, we, we will not be installed until the kitchen is done. So did I did I tell you we're we're in the midst of a a, a kitchen refresh? Have I talked about this? That we, hmm. I think so, right? Because I told you about Butcher Block. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh. So, so in in wood related kitchen news, <laughs> one of the very exciting things about our new kitchen, we haven't decided on the countertops yet. I am lobbying for Butcher Block. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be outvoted. But one thing that we are going to get is, so we have hardwood in the living room. We're going to get hardwood in the kitchen, which I did not know even was a thing you could do. Oh. Um, and, and I, and I am all in and, and actually Kristen is very excited about it too, because that means no grout. And she is not a fan of grout. She doesn't understand the purpose of grout. Um, I'm sure there is a purpose. Don't email her. <laughs> um, <Great>. but, uh, <laughs> anything that can get rid of grout, uh, because it has to be cleaned, uh, she is down for. And so we're very excited as part of the kitchen, uh, Reno, Reno, uh, as they call it, um, uh, is we're going to get, uh, we're going to get hardwood in the kitchen. So Hard- very excited. For hardwood in the kitchen. And I'll tell you, I mean, the the house that I currently live in and have for, for four years that I, I knew. Wait a minute. No, it's it's not been four years. That I newly moved to four years ago uh, has uh, has hardwood in the in the kitchen. We in our in our previous house, we uh, as sort of preparing to sell it, you know, because that's what you do. Uh, you, you, you put things in that you think would entice buyers also that are nice things that you wish you had done way before. We. Yeah put hardwood floors in the entire downstairs of, of the house. Like, and I'd say entire, it was a like kitchen, 
living room, dining room, and like eat in, um, you know, uh, you know, nook, breakfast nook, as mm-hmm. as they say, uh, and and so we we put hardwood floors across all of those probably a year before we moved, and I, I, I'm I'm with you. I would never hardwood floors in a kitchen is is the way. I, I will I will never ever live in a house without hardwood floors if I have any choice. Agreed. I mean, it's just. Yeah, we have our, our house here, though, the house that we newly moved into four years ago. Um, we still we still have a lot of carpet in the upstairs. Um, in fact, it's all carpet and it and it's it, it was like a patch. It's like a quilt of carpets like it's there's no matching rhyme or reason. It, it seemed like the previous owner decided that he would do this type of carpet in one room and then another type of carpet in another room and they don't, they don't flow. Nothing works. So eventually we're just going to do hardwood everywhere. Um, But, but that'll, so that, that will impact our podcasting spot, right? Like like all of a sudden I have, I've got to deal with some, I guess, sound baffling. Um, Oh yeah. Right. Right. Because now I'm, I'm in a room that, that still has like, I've got a lot of stuff around. I haven't gone to, um, to Marco's extent of mm-hmm. like uh, coffee bags on the on the wall, but, right? Or nor nor the Dan Benjamin method of recording in your closet, right? Neither of those things have have happened uh, yet. Um, <laughs> but but I um, but 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 I'm I am a little not concerned, but I know that that'll change things when when there's like now more sound yeah. bouncing uh, coming off of the the, the floor. Yeah, and and my and and so the room that I'm in now, um, hardwood uh, floors, um, n- not much on the walls, and not much furniture yet. Just a lot of stuff piled. Um, I do. You can, as you cannot see, since this is not a video podcast, over my left shoulder is my uh, microscope, Fred's microscope, which I won. Uh, um, yeah, your, it's but, not your microscope. But, your microscope. Well, it's Fred. That, that was that was the title of the folder. Win Fred's microscope. Oh, <laughs> that's that's true. That's a good. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> which is a joke that's funny to like three people, but I'm one of them. So <laughs> it's true. And me too. Um, so, uh, Hey, uh, speaking of video podcasts, um, I did, I, I did a podcast, uh, recording. I cheated on you. Um, uh, again, again. again yep. Yeah. Um, with, uh, at least let me watch. W- well, <laughs> That's creepy, uh, and, and I will, and Don, don't worry. It's been recorded and I will let you watch. Uh, I, so uh, it was a really um, it, it was a really great um, uh, uh, session. It was with uh, um, a a, nu- a nutrition person. Her name is Liz Weiss, and she has a, a podcast called Liz's Healthy Table. Uh, it's not going to air until uh, May, but it was a really it was a really great conversation. It's very like. Um, it was really laid back. We talked about food safety things and, and a lot about COVID and, and food safety and food COVID-net and, and our project. Uh, but it was just a really, really cool conversation. But we did it. Um, and th- this is for the podcast nerds out there and for things that you and I have talked about. We did it fully on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And Liz and I like talked to each other. We looked at each other for the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes, you know, you look away. But they were, they, we, were, we were there. And I've, I have watched – a couple of the Dubai Friday videos, um, and and vi- I think I think every once in a while, if if we're gonna, we're, eventually we will be jumping to Zoom for recording. I mean, I think that's we've, well, we've it's, decided. It's, that. Well, we'll, well, we will definitely be leaving Skype uh, yes. because the what it's the the M one uh, call recorder, which is the the device that we the, the hardware that with hardware the software the computer program that we use to record the audio that we get that we post for this podcast is not going to support the M one chip, right? And I think 
Yeah. That, that's the reason, right? It is. Why? That, yeah, that's okay, the reason. Yeah. And so, yeah. and so, and I am. As soon as they make a Mac, a big Mac, a big, a big boy Mac, fifteen inch, um, with the M1, I'm getting it. So, it, yeah. and I, I'm also going to get. I, I every day I look at five or six Mac sources: Cult of Mac, Nine to Five Mac, Mac. Uh, what else do I have here? Mac Break Weekly. Mac Break Weekly. Mac Life. I, every day I'm looking like, when are we making the announcement? What's, what's uh, Snell's website? Six colors? Do you look at six I colors? Look at, I look at six colors. I look at seven colors. You know, I, I don't. <laughs> seven I, colors. Six, six colors, seven colors, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going 12 colors deep sometimes uh, on this quest for when will the new announcement be made because I, I want a new I want everything M1, and I also want a new iMac that's that's flashy, and that will kick us directly out of uh, the world of, of call recorder, which is a conversation I had with Liz because that's why she's doing Zoom. She also we we like commiserated about call recorder and and Mac and 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 everything. Like we I, that won't be in her. In her show, that was all like pre, <laughs> pre-done. That's her show is is very much on. Does top. she not know how a podcast is supposed to work? <laughs> I think then. she does. She cuts out all the filler. She, I think it's she saves it for the DVD releases. Uh, but but we we had a really nice uh, really nice conversation, and and it was it was cool to see her. So I think I think if uh, at some point in the future, we'll go to Zoom. We're gonna have a you and I, and then maybe we'll post a video one. And maybe we'll have like Zoom does allow for more people to join. Like, like I can envision us having a, a big a big show, big big like uh, what was his name? Uh, Ed Ed Sullivan show, big shoe, uh, really big shoe, a really big shoe of. <laughs> it's a reference I only know because of other people that have done the uh, impression. I I'm no I'm not in the contemporary world of this. Uh but but I think we'll like I, I could see having having a fun like chat with a bunch of people. Um not people that that email us saying, Hey, I have something that I'd like to promote and I'd like to be on your awesome podcast where you have guests every week, which which is clearly clear that we don't. Uh, the, but the I, best ones are uh, we'd like to write an article for your blog. Yeah, that one's good. And we, like, huh, you haven't really looked too much at the blog, have you? Yeah. Well, here, you know, get us that copy and we'll post it right in our blog. Uh, <laughs> so, but anyway, I think that like I think we should. You know, I, I see these I see these people that do the videos. I think it's interesting. I think every once in a while we should do a video one because it, it looks it looks looks like fun and people might like to see us sometimes. Well, you know, and here's the here's the thing. Uh, I. So I um, uh, like and listen to uh, You Look Nice Today, and they have pivoted to doing YouTube videos. But the problem is I don't have a good way to work video into my my feet, my workflow, as you say. Yes. Um, right. And so, and, and I, I do, I do like the idea of, of just putting all of them on YouTube, right? Um, just, just put them up, put them on YouTube and put them in, 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 to put right. the audio into a podcast. Um, but I, my concern is, and they do this, they do this with, um, this week in virology, which I've kind of fallen off listening to, but they, they also post the video and there sometimes they do stuff on the video and I just a podcast is an audio medium and so I really worry about making something and this is the same problem I have with you with nice today is that Adam does like really funny stuff with a video and he puts little Easter eggs and things in and I don't want to miss that but on the other hand <clears throat> I don't really have a, a workflow like I said I mean I 
my I, I, a lot of the times when I listen to a podcast is when my eyes are busy doing something else, i.e., I'm walking the dog, so I'm looking for other dogs, so I can turn around and go the other way, <laughs> um, or I'm driving my car, or I'm doing something around the house, and so I don't really have a time. I have a time when I'm sitting down and watching a screen, but that's in in the evening when we're watching shows about British people who kill each other. <laughs> um, oh, and oh, but speaking of which, um, a new show which you have to watch the screen for this one because it's in French is we just finished uh, Balthazar, Balthazar okay. which is about a French um, uh, forensic pathologist uh, and it's in French and so I did take many years of French but I do not speak French uh, and I have to we have to have the, the subtitles on but it's it's quite quite good so if you like if you like reading the screen as you're watching TV and you like people speaking French um, it's it's quite it's it's quite gruesome and also quite delightful well, okay, so follow up on on this. There's a few things I want to circle back to. Uh, friend, I, I would say friend of the show, friend of ours, uh, Andy Bender, who's a, a communications professor here at NC State's on our Food Covey Net uh, website, sent me a message over the weekend saying, uh, and I will read this. Have you? Because because now he's in the world of food safety. This is the right. this is the greatest thing that we like. I feel like we've we've done every once in a while. You you collaborate with folks who are who who have interest in this, but but then you know you really get them when they send you texts like this. Have you seen the French Netflix show called Call My Agent? I, I have not. Um, said so we recently finished it. It's quite good. But it also perhaps features the most horrifying cross-contamination in the kitchen I've ever witnessed, season four, episode three. And so my homework for, for next uh, uh, you know, recording of this show is to watch that and report back. But I love – like. I just love that he he sent me that message, right? Like like that it that it was he he we we have I've I've spent enough time with him and, and hung out talking about food safety things. He's been on a bunch of projects. He's got interest in this. He's not in the f- world of food microbiology, but he was watching a show and you know saw something that made him think of me because it was food safety related, and he had to tell me about it. Like I thought that Excellent. was awesome. Excellent. Yeah. It's it's so much fun when when that kind of stuff uh, like happens and you know bubbles bubbles to the top. Cool. Um, so there was something else I was going to tell you that you talked about. Um, okay, so I talked about Liz's healthy table. Going to do that. Oh yeah, video, video stuff. Uh, I, I I brought up a link to a beer, and I I think. Oh oh oh. Okay, I know why. I know why. This is it's part of the story. The next story I'm telling you. So I am. Um, yeah, and and I, I I'm I'm very sensitive to this, Don. I'm sensitive to to the fact that that you have a little bit of FOMO of vaccination, and and I don't want to. This is not. This is not. Oh no, no. I think this is this is good. <clears throat> you should give the listeners of vaccination update. I, and I have to say, there are there are vaccinations available in New Jersey. They're just about an hour and a half away from where I actually live. And so, and I'm, I'm personally perfectly fine to sit in my house away from all the people, uh, until the time comes when there's a vaccine that doesn't require me to drive to Atlantic city. <laughs> right. But, but how will you visit? Like, wh- how will you visit the casinos if you don't go to Atlantic city to get your vaccine? Is yeah, that- exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I'm, I'm sensitive to this. I don't want to, it's not a, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm vaccinated and you're not. That's, that's where. Oh I'm- no, it's fine. It's fine. Every bet at this point, everyone is vaccinated except for me. So <laughs> right, I'm, right. I'm fine with it. I mean, I'm totally fine with it. So, so <laughs> I, I got my, my second, second dose of the, of the Pfizer, uh, version of the, of the vaccine yesterday. It's pronounced Pfizer. 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 Uh, okay. Tony Fauci says. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, 
I had that yesterday afternoon. I'm now like 20, 21 hours uh, post uh, post dose. I feel great. I had a very restful uh, sleep last night with my my heavy blanket. That we I, I, that is also on my list of things to do, which I have not done. I did I did immediately buy the ring stand that you recommended, but I, <laughs> I have not yet bought the, the. I got to follow up on that. Yeah, yeah, and and I like so I, I've now I've now had a, a few weeks with this heavy blanket. I it make it makes me go to sleep very very quickly. I like it. Sometimes I wake up and I've pushed it off. Sometimes I I wake up and it's over top of the dog. Uh, <laughs> But but whatever it's it's working. Um, but so la- so last night, uh, you know, or yesterday, I had this uh, had this shot. Um, at, you know, I've read lots about like oh, you know, people are are getting lots of different you know um, uh, effects from this. Like you know, not not knocking you out for a couple of days, some some illness, maybe mm-hmm. maybe some a fever, and and I, I can report right now, and it might be obvious in my in my podcasting uh, abilities here. I feel great. I, I'm like I got nothing. I in fact texted a friend of the show, uh, Michelle Danilak, who had some uh, some mm-hmm. post, you know complications, and and I was like I might have got the placebo yesterday. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what what's happening here. So I, I yeah. So but um, here's here's what I did last night, and so this is why I have a beer uh, up on my on my uh, on my screen that I'm going to tell you about. Um, last week I went to, I went, I went mountain biking, uh, with my family in, mm-hmm. in Tennessee and Western North Carolina. Um, and it was great. We, we had a lot of fun, spent a lot of time outside hiking and it was, yeah. And, uh, the, you know, the, oh, cause, cause you were on vacation basically. I was on, I, not even basically, I was fully on vacation. Like it was. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I like just ignored people. I put a bounce back message on. I, I have really enjoyed doing that over the last year that I, I just didn't do that, uh, before. And I, I found that it was, it, 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 it was a needed break. And, and so, um, we, we came back, uh, on Friday last week through, um, Asheville, North Carolina and Asheville, North Carolina is one of my, one of my favorite places, um, in the state, like it's, it's got a really cool vibe. It, um, there's a ton of, uh, breweries, there's really good food. Um, and so, so we stopped at a, at a, um, a brewery named Wicked Weed and Wicked Weeds, uh, it, it, it was, a um, a, uh, um, an independent brewery. And then I think in brew or in in bev one of the one of the big breweries oh, oh what, the e- evil evil in bev yes yeah evil in bev they they bought them and and they got wicked weed kind of got like uh, a lot of flack for that but they're mm-hmm. they're still yeah, being cuz in in bev is apparently evil right right yeah and but they're still being run like independently uh, for now well yeah until <laughs> in, until they take until they take over uh so so anyway um i got a, a beer there so hmm. this is because it's a it's a brewery called Doctor Dank, and I and Don I bought Doctor Dank beer mainly because it was called Doctor Dank. Dank, yeah. And I just thought about like I'm gonna sit, you know, and I, I don't I can't find a oh here's a here's a picture. Um, it, it's just a nice. Uh, we'll 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 knock this into uh, into the show notes. It you know it, it it looks like you would you would think. Um, but I, I just, I, I don't know, like being a, being a, being a doctor and sometimes people call you Dr. Chapman. I just want to now be referred to as Dr. Dank. Dr. Dank. Yeah. <laughs> Not Dr. Daniluk, which is even much closer to Dr. Dank in, in the number of, uh, or the, the right, uh, correct letters. Anyway, last night after my shot, I thought, Hey, I'm feeling good. I'm going to drink a couple of beers. I drank a couple of Dr. Danks, uh, went to bed, had a great sleep, woke up this morning and I'm fine. 
So that's that's my story. That like that that is the full story of why I wanted to t- show you about Dr. Dank. And really, I I thought like I just thought like you know people call you Dr. Don on the internets, and mm-hmm. and I I I think I want to be Dr. Dank. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do that? Can I just pick my own nickname? Like I know I'm. Well, Professor here's Chapman. the thing, Ben. We have tried this. Okay, we have right. tried this to make you zippy, and I know. it doesn't really stick. Except occasionally, someone says, "Why does this email to Ben say <laughs> zippy?" And I have to explain. Well, it's because I changed his name in a in an attempt to kind of uh, what would you say virally uh, get your nickname out there, and it doesn't really seem to have caught on. I want to be Doctor Zippy Dank. Zippy Dank. <laughs> That's like Funky Jenkins. Funky Jenkins, Dr. Zippy Dank. We, we've got a panel together at uh, IFE in 2024. Uh, man. Yeah. So, so anyway, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling quite good. Um, and, and, and I, you know, not, I don't want to say that like, I, cause I know other people don't feel good, but I was, I was a little bit like, Ooh, what are these next two days going to be like? Uh, and, and, and hopefully the podcast goes okay and all that kind of stuff. But, but anyway, uh, but yeah, you, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing okay. Thank you. And you did predict that, uh, at nine thirty nine Eastern time, I would start to feel bad, you know, nine minutes after we started, uh, the podcast and, and my response, which I thought was very, uh, witty was that's because call recorder won't be working not not because of anything else else exactly <laughs> oh and i i do want to report my call recorder is working yeah my my call recorder is working i checked I, I blew out all the call recorder plugs i did a test before i've i've been i've really um i i, I don't know I've, i'm very much trying to be a lot not as much last minute guy um, hmm. and, and so, so that was, that included like making sure I had enough time this morning to have, to, to, to make coffee, get upstairs, turn everything on, make sure call recorded existed, do a, a test call. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm too, too often over the last year, I felt like I've been on fire just running from thing to thing and being like, what are, what are we talking about that? I'm trying to not do that. Cause it make it's not like, it just makes me feel bad. Like, like it makes me feel unprepared and, and I don't, I don't know. And I just, yeah, like I don't, that. I don't, I don't like, I mean, I, <clears throat> yeah. And this is something we've, we talked a little bit about, uh, my, my second call with, uh, Karush is coming up and I've been really doing a pretty good job of like, f- like sort of, f- again, I don't have, not everything does not have to be under control, but if I have the illusion that everything is under control, I'm, I'm fine with that. Right. Like I just want to feel calm and like everything is in control and, and things will occasionally get out of control. But you know, it, I, and, and the difference between things, the, it's all about frame of mind, I think. Yes. And so creating that frame of mind where you feel like everything's managed, right. Is, is, is what it's about. So, yeah. and, well, and, and also, I mean, these are, you know, these are the tenets of the productivity world that that we've talked about and, and read about. Just getting something done. I mean, it's in the title of the book, right? Getting things done, but actually just moving something forward makes you feel better, makes me feel better, right? Like no matter how little it is and thinking about, oh my gosh, like not doing it makes me feel worse. So I should just do something little to make me yeah. feel better and get in that frame of mind. Yeah, like David Allen says, you know, like just clean a drawer, right? Like do something. <laughs> yep, <clears throat> yeah. And yeah. so, so, um, I've been, 
I don't, it's I, I guess it's somewhat part of this. So I, I I gotta I'm not I don't have to do I'm I'm going to I've been I I I, I want to do and this is not me talking myself into something. So, uh, but I, I'm I'm going I'm I'm I've joined a leadership class which I'm 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 skeptical of these things right. But this is a it's a class that's run by uh, a, a series of land grant institutions. We we've had lots of colleagues and friends go through this. It's called Lead. 21. Um, so I'll put a link to this. It's called leadership for the 21st century. And, and like I said, I'm, 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 I'm skeptic. I don't know what to expect yet, but I, but there are three sessions, uh, for this, this class where people get together and talk about how you do leadership things and whatever. Um, but as part of this, I've had to go through a lot of like self-assessments, like the Myers-Briggs things Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I find it, I find it very difficult. Like, hmm. like, like I, it's, I find it. So, so have you, I assume you've done these things, right? Like you, yeah, I've done, I've done Myers Briggs. Uh, I think I did, uh, what's the happiness lady, uh, Gretchen Rubin. For some reason I've, I've been like looking at her stuff lately and she has the, like the four quadrants and yeah. it's just like, it's all, it's all a little bit of BS. Right. Um, but right. it's fine. I mean, yes, know yourself. Right. I mean, the, 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 the idea that you can take a test and learn about your personal style, I think is valuable that you're going to actually use that to do anything else is I think a bit far fetched. And, and I'm, I am skeptical of these leadership type things. Um, you know, you might learn some things you might not, it's, you know, whatever it's, it's fine. It's fine. Like it's fine. I mean, a lot of it is just, but a lot of it is it, you have to, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to, uh, what's the what's the analogy? It's it's like uh, you're gonna you're gonna pan for gold, and there might be some nuggets, but there's gonna be a lot of silt too. That just like okay, fine, whatever, right. you know. Yeah, and and I so here's the I, I'm with you, like I'm with you 100 percent on all of that. And I, and the thing for for me is I, I and and it was like you know taking taking a vacation last week and walking away, trying to do these like little things of not getting things off my mind or get being able to get things off my mind. Part of the draw for me to do this was. I'm going to commit to three weeks where I'm not going to think about food safety things, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to go think about something else and maybe just being able to think about something else is going to make me better at the other things that I'm not thinking about because I'm, because I'm walking away. Uh, That's the like nugget side of this. And maybe there, maybe there'll be something good, but it's almost like a, it's like a little bit of a a break in the, in the academic minefield for me. Um, so, so anyway, I, I, I did, I've done a, a series of these things now over the last few weeks. One, you know, uh, I, I just dropped you one in, um, in the text, one that I hadn't heard of. This is Clifton strengths, uh, and then a couple for this, for this class. And I find these hard and, and I, I don't know, like, I, I haven't really talked to anybody about this, but it's, I find these hard because they give you two dichotomous things, right? Like you like to be in control of your schedule. You like to make decisions on the fly, right? Which, which better represents you. And it's kind of like both, right? Right. Like, like, and and it's, and, and sometimes, and they're like, you know, think about this in your, in, in all aspects of your life. Well, it's like, well, that's, that's really like, that's really hard. Like in my, in my, in my work mode, I, I want things scheduled. And I, I've, I've really, become to enjoy 
having like trusting my calendar, right? Like I have these things that are that these meetings, these these events that are that are going to happen. And if it's there, I'm going to do it. And if it's not there, then I'm not going to do it. And and it's maybe not like I don't have to think about what what I'm doing for the for my for for a portion of my day, right? And then the times that are open, I know that those are times that I can do things like email and and writing. But but I don't want that kind of like like as soon as I'm not doing those other work things, like I was thinking like I but I love like oh what time should we eat dinner? I don't care. Let's eat whenever kind of thing. Like you know the it's 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 very hard to to approach these dichotomous questions in a way that that encompasses everything that I'm think, thinking and feeling. And so I find it hard because I'm like, well, I, I guess I like this one better, but I sometimes like this one better, but I got to pick one. So I'll do this. And it, and I, I don't know, like, I'm sure everybody has that exact same issue when they go through these, but it makes it so the, the output I, I'm not sure what to think of it. <laughs> yeah, well, and they're and they're and they're trying to put you into a box, right? right? And so, and so they've got to figure out where you are on the edge of the box. And one of the things that when I did Myers Briggs, it gives you like a strength in each of the areas, right? And if you if you're conflicted about something, then you know you're you're maybe you're not as so overwhelming in the in that one area. But I I don't know. I mean, it's. <clears throat> Whatever they're fun to do. I yeah. yeah. I mean, I I and I and you're gonna have to explain to me, like, what does it mean strengthen? What does it mean navigate? Yeah, and yeah. what the hell is number eighteen? Woo. Oh well, woo. So so funny because <laughs> that this has become a, a whole conversation within the the safe plates group because I shared all this stuff with them. <laughs> and, and 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 so so. Apparently, uh, woo, woo is, is all about like, uh, how, how good are you at making sure that people understand what your ideas are and getting them to, to do stuff. And I'm only number 18 on woo, uh, not out of 34. Uh, uh, Wait, so so now explain this to me, uh, and I, and we, we we probably won't share this with people because because it's your personal score sheet, but. So there are certain things that you need to strengthen, and I guess those are the things that you're weak in, and then there's other things that you need to navigate. Well, so no, the strengthened ones are the ones that are at your top. You are the – Oh. Yeah, and so the idea on this one is continue to strengthen these because these are the ones that you – your we put you in the box – that you're good at at these things based on your at your answers, and so this is going to seem so abstract until I give folks the some of these these um, you know specific areas. So ideation was number one on my list. Yeah, Str so you have lots of ideas. Yeah. I have lots of ideas. Strategic input. Yep. Achiever, arranger, you know, those that's number that's one through five, and so they break it down and sort of say these are this is what each of these things mean. <laughs> and and you're not good at harmony, consistency, and discipline, apparently. Right, and and so I certainly am not good at discipline, like that that I that I but, understand. But harmony, I mean, I feel like I, I'm pretty I, good at. That doesn't make sense. You're a yeah. very harmonious guy. Yeah, well, and so this is the, this led to a really funny conversation with Danny because I because on number twenty nine on the list. Out of thirty four is empathy. Empathy, yeah. And, and I was like, I, you know, I don't know. I must have answered some questions differently. Like yeah. I was talking, we, I'm like, I feel like I'm empathetic, and Danny's yeah. like, Dude, you are not empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> like you might think that you're empathetic, but you really don't have any patience for people. You don't understand what they're going through. And I'm like, Really? She's like, You might think and you 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 recognize <laughs> that you don't have a lot of empathy so you're able to navigate that but you're not super empathetic i'm like oh okay okay yeah okay, she's like well, i could have told nice. you that yeah well, and, and really what we need is we need the the survey that you fill out and then there's the survey that your spouse fills out <laughs> right. about you 
Because yeah. that's the really the accurate one. Right? And it probably it looks exactly the same. She'd be like, yeah, yeah, totally. You're not you have no discipline. Well, that that means it's a good survey, right? Because right. it's tricked you into giving the right answers. Exactly. Even though you exactly. think even though you think you're empathetic, it has tricked you into correctly assessing your empathy. <laughs> right, right. So this one it somehow worked. Um so anyway, more I guess more on this as I go forward because I want to like I want I'll 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 share more about this. I'm I'm I, I am uh, I don't know, skeptically optimistic or cautiously optimistic that there's that I'm that this will be a, a good process to go through. And and it so, seems. So did like, you yeah. did you did you pay forty nine ninety nine to get your Clifton strengths, or did somebody else pay that for you? Well, I mean, uh, I let, let's say that that I did through the uh, funds that my program generates. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then I also so this is actually in in conversation with a couple of um ad, you know administrative folks that you know uh, here at NC State who are like you know this is what we do in our team I try to you know get a sense of where people are and I, and I don't want to put like if if there's you know something that we have to work on in the in the college or university I don't want to put like nine people that are all ideas people on that. Oh like, God, no! You yeah. need you need it. At least half of them need to be actual doers. Yeah, because if you have all ideators, you're just going to sit and ideate all day. Exactly, and nothing's going to get done. Yeah. yeah, and and so so the, so the the you know, kind of the feedback that that um, as I talk through this process that I that I got from from these other folks is like it, it's not it's certainly not perfect. This isn't like a a playbook to go away, but but you know, the flaws and limitations of of the process are equally applied to everybody. So, so, you know, it, it, it doesn't, if you, if you kind of step back and say, okay, I've got 15 people that have taken this. Now I can start to piece them together that at least they're different that, yeah. um, so yeah, I thought, well, yeah, yeah. And so, so, I mean, I, I think this stuff is, is BS, but I'm also a sucker for it. And so I think I'm right. just going to get my Clifton strengths <laughs> assessed because <laughs> why not? Right. Cause why not? Yeah. Uh, Oh, so, hey, so what, one, one more uh, audio-related thing. Are you – do I sound okay to you? Because I am hearing – I've got clicking on my end, but it may just be my my end. Yeah, you sound fine. I've not okay, heard Okay, good. So, I, uh, so we'll just yeah. – and you got the – you'll, got you'll have the audio, so yep. we're good. So, okay, cool. Yep, yep, yep. We're all, we're all good. Okay. So something that you and I – I want – I'm because it's my show, Don. Um <laughs> Uh, and you're, you're just here, uh, to, just to be the, just to be the Dr. Don, just to I feel be like, the, you're not very, you're not being very empathetic. I'm not, I, <laughs> I, but Don, I, let me tell you, this is where my woo comes in. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we have conversed over the internet about Buttergate. Yes. I want to talk about, cause we haven't talked about it on the show. And, and so there's, there's this thing that, that has happened in Canada. There's, I mean, this checks off our Canadian content. Um, uh, situation that we always have to do for this show, but I want to give you, I want to give the like brief, you know, synopsis of this whole situation. And then I want to talk through it. And it's not really a food safety thing, but it's a food science thing. And I think it's kind of, it's interesting. It's interesting. And it's, it's been interesting. It's a little bit turns out and then it's a little bit turns out, turns out. (laughs) So yeah, it's a double turns out. So, so there's this guy, um, who, who I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I can't say I've ever met him. We've interacted over the internet uh, a few times. Uh, we, I, I think we don't see eye to eye on 
methodology for food safety perceptions. I think that's probably the, the, the cagey way to say it. Like we, I've, I think he's reviewed some of my stuff and, and I've reviewed some of his stuff. And I, I think those reviews, um, go equally poorly on both sides. I want to, I want to see your, I want to see your Clifton strength scores for both of you. <laughs> yeah. We both have, we both are very low on empathy. Uh, uh so, so anyways, uh, his name is Sylvain, uh, Charlebois and I follow him on Twitter cause he's, you know, he's an interesting, interesting person to follow. And he, he, he dabbles in the world of food safety. He's not a, a microbiologist. He's not a technical person. Oh, he's not a scientist. Not a scientist. He's well, a marketing guy, right? Well, I mean, Don, let's, let, I'm going to, I'll call you on that. He's a, he's a, a social scientist. Social scientist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and apologies, apologies yeah. to all of my social science yes. friends. I love you all dearly. I, this guy's, yeah, this guy's a little wacky, but anyway, yes. I, I also follow him on Twitter. Um, he does, he does, he, yeah, well, anyway, he's, he's, he's an individual. He has a Wikipedia page. He's got a Wikipedia page. He's out there, um, on the, on the internet. And, and anyway, so over – this probably goes back two or three months, maybe longer. Um, he, he started tweeting about his butter. Like this is where this all started, right? Like that, that right. his butter – his butter, he's noticed over the course of the pandemic. He lives in, in Halifax. I, he's a professor at Dalhousie University. He lives in Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia, uh, where it's cold, Don. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's, over the winter, his butter on his, on his countertop was hard, hard butter. Um, and, and he wanted to know why, and he said that there's a problem with this. And then he posted about it. And then a few other people who, who are in the food world said, you know what? My butter's really hard now too. And it never used to be this way. The butter of our childhood, Don was, was soft and, and smearable. And, <clears throat> and, and this, this, this butter, I, sometimes it's when it's on my counter, I have to put it in the microwave to soften it up, to spread it onto a piece of toast. And it's not, it's just not ex- acceptable. And the Canadians be, became, uh, it, it it led to a whole bunch of stuff. On well, he and he, here's the thing, Ben. He he asked other people on the internet, "Are you also having a problem with your butter?" And lo and behold, people on the internet confirmed his perception that there's a problem with butter. Butter. So, yeah. Boom. boom. There's your research. Boom. Buttergate. Right. Right there. <laughs> Buttergate was born. Was hatched. Um. Uh, he, uh, it led to, and uh, uh, there was a, I, th- I think a really good, uh, we'll, we'll link to this, a really good um, NPR article uh, from February that kind of goes through this because there's a, a cookbook author who I also follow, Julie Van Rosendahl, and I think she follows us on both of us on Twitter. She said, have you noticed it's no longer soft at room temperature? It's watery. It's wa- rubbery. Something's up with our butter supply. And she's a Canadian uh, cookbook person. Um, and so, you know, that that's what kind of led to this, this whole thing. So, so here's the, the, you know, the, the quick situation, right? There was a lot of social media pressure back towards the, the dairy industry, um, a thought around, uh, palm oil being fed or well, not just palm oil, but palm oil containing foods being fed to cattle, um, and that leading to a- additional palm oil proteins in the butter, well, in the milk that led to, to, uh, you know, that's being made into the butter leading to this hardness. And then there was like, so that was back in February and, and the, the dairy industry kind of responded and was like, we, you know, it's not us. You know, your butter's everybody go away. Your butter's fine. And it was a weird little like communication thing. And then some, um, you know, some, some folks at the university of Guelph, my 
alma mater. My my is it is it? I guess it's not my home institution because that's NC State. But my right. my, my for my my former institution where I got all my yeah degrees. alma mater. You alma got a degree mater. from there. I did yeah. three. I got three three whole degrees. Oh man, you're I'm, an alumnus. I'm an alumnus. That's I'm a, a hat trick. I you know they sent me a this this every every month I get a alumni magazine. It's uh it's very it's a it's it's love it's literally one of the only two publications we get in print in my house. Uh, the other one is the uh, the NC State uh, um, University alumni magazine, which I am not an alumni of, but I we also get that. Um, so so uh, some folks at the University of Guelph do some sampling of butter. They're looking for palm oil. It's on CBC News, which is like you know the the real that's the real news. So this was uh, back a, a couple of weeks ago in March. There's a guy who also. So I I taught um, when I was a I, I my my uh, master's degree and PhD were not in food science they're in from the Department of Plant Agriculture um, but it was a you know a food microbiology um, focused degree I did a whole bunch of stuff in plant agriculture mm-hmm. and blah 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 anyway I taught in the food science department though uh, mm-hmm. for uh, a couple of years and in fact Don you guest lectured in one of my classes uh, when I was a PhD student I hosted you that's the first, we walked my dog. We was yes. one of our. It was a lovely. We had a lovely time. Uh, so so there's there's some professors in that in that department um, who I kind of know, um, and some that we really know, like uh, Larry Goodrich, friend of the show, who's been on the show. Jeff Farber, they're in that department. But there's this other guy, uh, Alejandro Marangoni. So Alejandro Marangoni is a, a food. Uh, he's a, a food chemist. I, I, I'm right. pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and so he uh, from from this. Um, uh, the CBC article, um, fat content analysis by University of Guelph Food Lab suggests only a relatively weak correlation between the amount of palmic acid in 17 butter brands and their firmness. So, sorry, I, I mentioned it was uh, palm oil proteins, but it's not. It's palmic acid, palm, palmitic, palmitic acid. acid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the 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 uh, the thing that they they were looking for here. The samples included unsalted commercial butters, organic butters, and grass-fed butters available at Ontario supermarkets. Two samples of each of the 17 brands were incubated at 20 degrees Celsius and then tested for firmness and fat content. Then those same samples were brought down to eight degrees Celsius and tested again. Uh, and so there's, there's some nice, there's a, there's a nice article or nice article. There's a nice, um, a, a plot of firmness, uh, and, uh, palmitic acid percentage and, you know, may, I don't know, maybe well, it's, and, yeah. And let, well, let's, so let, let's just spend a minute and talk about this. Cause this is, this is, although that, although my world is not chemistry, um, I do live in the world of regression analysis, yes. right? It is something that I spend a lot of time doing. And, and so what this says is that the effect of palmitic acid on firmness at both eight and 20 is highly significant. Right. So the the P value, right, is less than 0.001. So there is absolutely a relationship between palmitic acid percentage and firmness. Right. But there's a lot of scatter around those lines. So the R squared values are not particularly high. Right. So the R squared values at eight is 0.4 and the R squared at 20 is 0.57. Right. And so what that means is. There are other factors that are influencing firmness in addition to palmitic acid, but for sure, palmitic acid is influencing firmness. Now, the, 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 in an ideal world, what you would do is you would do experiments where you would make these products with 
different levels of palmitic acid. And they didn't do that. They went to the marketplace and they bought this and they analyzed it. And so what you see in the regression plot is you see a couple of points hanging out over towards the the, the left-hand side of the x-axis and then kind of a cluster of points in the mid to, to right-hand side. And and that will influence the regression analysis. It would be a better approach, like I said, to make something at 28%, 29%, 30%, ex- eat each of those numbers right on the dime and then do that. But they didn't do that, right? They have these, these natural these you know products from the marketplace. And so what you can also see from this same plot is there are products with 32% and 36% palmitic acid that have the same firmness, right? right. And so there are so obviously there is there are other factors out there that will influence this and I think a lot of the regression and I would be interesting to redo the regression analysis without those three points and this is where having a video podcast would be good <laughs> without those three points over on the left-hand side, right? Two at uh, 20 and one at, at eight, um, because I suspect the, the, the P values might change um, and the R square values might change. But I, I still think that there, that it does look like there is an effect, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, so it's anyway, it's, it's, there's an effect, but it's, but, but there's other stuff going on that influences firmness, which I think probably means that there is no, gate in buttergate right well and 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 what what kind of i don't know where where the double turns out all all happen on this right was that the public social media discussion became not like why why is butter firmer right like that that in fact the trying to figure out the answer to that didn't matter anymore what really became the discussion was oh my gosh why are people feeding cows palm oil? And which is something that has been like, as, as I kind of read into this, it's been done for a long time. It's, it's not a, um, it's, it's not an, an added supplement. Um, it's just, it's, it's in products that get fed. And then that, like now it became like a whole, like, please don't have, please don't feed my, my only feed my cows grass, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like it, it kind of spun out of control towards perceptions of food safety and food technology and a whole bunch of things. But, but it all, what what was really interesting about this was it all started with like, you know, one dude being like my butter's firm and, and, and well, exactly. A couple people and then people piling on and saying, Oh yes, yes, this is definitely a thing. Right. Right. But, but also like with no baseline, like, like what, how firm was your butter five years ago or 30 years ago? Well, I don't know. It's more firm now. You know, like tomatoes taste better now, or low, right, or, exactly, or worse, exactly. like all that. Yeah, kind the, of stuff. the grass used to be greener and the sky was bluer when I was young. Right, yeah. right, right. The, the buildings were taller. Yeah, make make, <laughs> make butter great again. I think it was what is <laughs> really where where they're going with this. But it, it was just, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so like I I don't know. I, I'm gonna read from from this NPR article um, that that sort of sets this up. Um, Charlebois surmised that a mystery acid could be at work in October when the British Columbia Milk Marketing Board posted a memo about issues with non-foaming milk in which it mentioned a link between fatty acids and non-foaming milk. Milk. Uh, quote, that's when alarm balls, alarm balls, alarm, alarm bells, balls, alarm balls. Uh, that's when alarm bells started to ring. Charlebois tells NPR after calling quote, trusted processors in the dairy sector, he said he was led to believe that a shift had happened at the farm level before the processing stage. Like it just seems so insidious. Right. And, and I, I don't know. Well, because otherwise, how are you going to, how are you going to, you know, get, sell papers as they say, or you, you, you know, 
Right. Man, um, dog bites man, not news. Man bites dog. Now you got some news. Now you got some news here. Yeah, yeah. So, but we I, like it, what in a good in a good way, right? So we've got, and this is kind of what we try to do with risky or not, right? We've got something that people may be encountering in their daily life. Someone wants an answer to it. So so we'll we'll try and do our best with some sort of like guessing or data or or whatever to answer that question. And in the food safety world, we're we're you and I are much more rooted in that. Like we know where the right places to go. We can we can probably answer answer those those questions. What what I enjoyed about this story was at the heart of it, that's it, right? It's there's a thing that a phenomenon that someone is is you know. Uh, rightly or wrongly being encountered and saying that this is different, but we've got lots of different ways to talk about it and, and science. Let's science, let's science this. What I fear though, is that the NPR article from February 24th and, and the CBC article from uh, March, uh, whatever, 17th uh, or 21st, um, that it's probably the end of it. Like, right. Like now we've, we've solved Buttergate, except also, as you highlighted, we didn't really solve anything. We, we just have this, this, uh, you know, loose correlation and there are other factors. So, well, and there's probably a whole lot of people out there that never read the CBC article that are continuing to think that the farmers are messing up our butter because they're evil. right? Right. I mean, right. Essentially. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, that's exactly it. And, and the, being in the communication side of things. And, and I think like, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this on, um, on a risky rod episode. And I can't remember if we like how much we talked about this on, a, on, on our last, uh, food safety talk episode, but the, you know, shrimp in, in, uh, cereal boxes, right? No one woke up who, who worked at the, you know, cinnamon toast crunch, uh, owned, uh, company, um, uh, general mills saying today we're going to have to deal with someone found shrimp tails in their, in their cereal boxes. But, but it became a communication challenge, right? Like it's something that we need to explain something about how the food system works and how do we, how do we get butter and what, what is the complexity of this? So I, I'm always a fan of being able to take the, opportunity to, to do that. And so I, I think it was, it was kind of like in the, in this Buttergate piece, I think it was kind of good that it unfolded in these lots of like different ways where people who are interested in it can find more. And like, like you said, right at the top and there's a turns out and a double turns out in this whole, in this whole thing, but it's not like, I don't know, it's not solved. And it's not like, well, yeah, yeah, it, it turns out, Ben, I don't know if you've heard this before, but it depends and it's complicated. Right. Yes. Right? I yes. mean, well, and and my you know, my and my mom who lives in Canada who who has butter, um, didn't even know that there was a, first of all buttergate happening or that her butter might or might not be firmer than it was when she was a child, right? Like it it it, it it's it hits a slice of the of the portion of the world that is interested and this catches their eye. Uh, so and and I think you know for. There, there are lots of ways to approach it, and I think that it's good that we that that Buttergate happens so you can have the conversation of it's complicated and it depends. Yeah, I'm 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 always in, in favor of com- of conversation, and this was certainly was an interesting one to watch unfold and to and to see the the point and the counterpoint. Um, but I, I mean, our, our, I well, I mean, this is a this is a what do they call this? This is a rhetorical question. Yeah, um, I, are we? But you can answer it anyway. Um, are we better for it? Are, I mean, you and I are clearly better for it. Yeah. I'm just worried there are some people out there that are now angry and upset about something that they weren't angry and upset about before, and I guess that's their problem. <laughs> right, right, and and they wouldn't have known 
to be upset about it until this happened and there's nothing to be upset about. It, like, that's what you're saying. Like that, that, that's the rhetorical question, right? Like, like this raised awareness of something that may not be an, a real issue. And that has a, that, that could lead to, uh, you know, problems for, for those people who are upset about it. And, and I mean, ultimately people in the food industry have to answer to it. I, I get that. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm like, I, I, well, yeah. And if we're, if we're having a conversation about where our food comes from and how our food supply is complicated, I I guess, I guess I'm okay with that. Right. And then, and if, and if farmers are really doing nefarious things, well, we should investigate that. But again, this is not, I mean, this is, I mean, there, and there's, there's a, there's a, again, there's a nice counterpoint or a, a, so like, so the, the, there are good reasons to add, um, palm oil to cattle feed, right? Right. But then there's a larger again. It's, it's it's there's risk risk trade offs here, right? Like okay, this is a waste product, so and we need it. It helps. It gives us value as farmers. But then, well, it's a waste product from an agricultural practice that we know is bad, right? Because because of the farming practices that generate palm oil, right? I mean, right. Yeah, help all, me out here. Yeah, right? no, no, <laughs> like exactly. I mean, yeah. th- it's all the, the it's an inner inter, intertwined web, right? Yeah. Of how yeah. we get all this. And it's and it's a it's always a risk risk trade-off. It's always a risk benefit trade-off. And it is complex, right? Like it's it's and, your your butter doesn't and, just you get here. <laughs> and where was the and I I if, you, if we can find this, I would also like to link with it, link to it. So we're linking we linked to the NPR article, we linked to the CBC article, but there was another yeah, sort of a mail. deep dive article in between that you had shared with me. Yeah, I'm gonna get it. And I don't remember much about it except I know where I was when I read it. Um I was in <laughs> I was in the downstairs toilet of my new house. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> Why I remember that, I don't know, but that's where I read that article. <laughs> so yeah, and it, it was um uh, here it is. I think this was it. Your butter's not as soft as it used to be. That one, or maybe it's a different one. Butter gears. Oh, of course, it's all like uh, paywalled now. Oh, okay. But I'll we'll link. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll link to a couple of these, and they were good. They're they're like good articles on the on the science, and it. That's where I think we had this whole like. Well, it turns out it's not as you know, not, not as clear. I, and this is one of those, like I'll, to borrow a, uh, letter Kenny, uh, phrase, um, not my pig, not my farm, right? <laughs> not a, <laughs> uh, perfect for this, uh, conversation, but it's, it, there's, it's not a food safety thing until I started thinking about this as we were talking about it today of harder butter, lower water activity. Maybe, maybe it's maybe harder butter is safer at room temperature. <laughs> Now we can get it. Now we can win. No, I'm just I'm I'm looking for an angle here. But yes. it, but it was like it, it was it was interesting to be adjacent to this one, not involved in it, to like objectively step back and be like, oh yeah, I, I actually think that there is, I think that there's more benefit to having this conversation, even though it started in a weird spot, and people really hammered Charlebois for not being a scientist and not approaching this from and not not being a technical dairy scientist, not a non-social scientist, but, but really coming at this from w- without any sort of like data. So, so that like, I don't know, I think there's a benefit to that conversation. I think there's like, I think there was, there's stuff, it, it, the, all of the ripple effect of it, I think was, was, was useful. Um, but yeah, and good for content for us on our podcast. So that's always good. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's Buttergate. There's something else. Oh, I put something into our um, 
into our little Dropbox to talk about today. Um, podcast. Next. Oh, okay. Um, so I I wanted to get an update from you, Don. Okay. About um, you you've mentioned a couple of times about New Jersey and cottage food rules. Yes. Um, there is a an article this morning in Food Safety News that made me think about this. Um, and it so. Uh, we'll link to this. It's a uh, food choice advances in Montana while New Hampshire may add raw milk products. Uh, so this is from a uh, fr- friend of the show, Dan Flynn uh, from food safety news who, who says the Montana local food choice act is out of committee and in the second house um, showing all signs. The bill will cross the finish line. Uh, it, it's really about, um, so the, it's, it's Senate bill 199 is a fruit food freedom measure to open more direct consumer purchases from producers. It's similar to the 2015 food freedom law adopted by Wyoming legislature. Um, and, and, and um, I, I've mentioned this on the show before North Carolina has been doing really like direct sales from people that are making food at home with a really big infrastructure for a long time. Like I think it goes back to the sixties, but certainly we've had inspections of home food environments for low risk foods. And there's a whole litany of foods that our department of agriculture defines as low risk. It's like jams and jellies and, um, but pH matters. So it's not like watermelon jelly, uh, and baked goods. So, so this is something that I'm really familiar with, but it, 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 it comes in, it ebbs and flows, but I know that, that you've been in part of, um, I guess like conversations about how to manage this in New Jersey. Cause you guys have a whole, I guess messiness of home rules. And does that, that I guess impacts how this all goes down. Does it? I, I don't, I don't think so. I think the, the main, the main issue is that New Jersey, I believe is the last state to not allow cottage foods. Okay. And the, there is a, a New Jersey bakers, home bakers association. I believe they're called, um, who actually one of the the principals of that group actually is related. She's the niece or the aunt uh, niece, I think, of somebody that we know from the food safety world, who's a colleague of ours in Brazil. Right? Not to out them because you know I I I you know I whatever. Yeah. I, I'm just, anyway, so we know we know somebody who is re- related to this person who's who's heading up this initiative and, and they have filed a, a law. I believe they filed a lawsuit. Anyway, they are, they are agitating to allow that's because I mean, you know, the, the cottage foods are, it doesn't, why would they be illegal in New Jersey if they're illegal everywhere else? Right. right and, right. and again, and many of these cottage foods are low risk, right. Especially if they're, we, and we've talked about this, right. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And so, and right now, and, and so, you know, and I, so I've also, I've talked to these, these groups, they've actually hired a former colleague of mine as a consultant to help them, you know, get, get the right to do this in New Jersey. I've also heard from colleagues at New Jersey department of health who are not thrilled with this at all. Um, but they also see the writing on the wall and they realize that, you know, politically maybe it's gonna, it's gonna happen. And so they need to just sort of adapt and, and hopefully get the best, most safe rules they can for, for dealing with these, these, these types of operations. And so, um, but it's, it hasn't, it's not resolved yet in New Jersey. Right. And so it's still, but I think, but I think it's only a matter of time. Like we will have legal cottage foods in New Jersey at some point in the next couple of years, at least. So if not sooner. And is there, so what, 
what does the, I don't know, quote inspection process going to look like? Like, has that, well, that's that, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I know there are, there are some proposed rules out there. I mean, there's a, there's a bill in the, the state legislature. I have not read it in detail. Um, and it's not clear that that's what's going to, and obviously you have the, you have the, the actual, you have the, the, what the, what the legislature writes, and then you have what the health department actually implements kind of the same thing with the food safety protection, food safety modernization act is what Congress passed. And then FDA actually wrote the rules, right? So that's the sort of, and then the rules are much more extensive than the act itself. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know, I'm not up to speed on the exact details of that, but I've got to imagine it, it, you know, it, it matches pretty pretty closely with what whatever else is out there. And again, I would say for people who are looking for a great resource on cottage foods, I think the AFTO website does a really nice job of sort of keeping track of what's going out on out there. And then AFTO also has their sort of their advice on cottage foods, where AFTO is the Association of Food and Drug Officials, so it's sort of like the professional society of people that work in these state uh, and local uh, regulatory uh, bodies. Right, right, right. I the. The thing for me in this, um, so I'm, I'll read from the uh, Food Safety News article from the, this morning. Uh, I'm really good with these low-risk foods, right? Like I, right. I think, and, and I'm really good with some like level of infrastructure. You know, I, and I, I guess I have a lot of bias because I'm familiar with it. Like I really like how we handle this in, in my state where before you are permitted to do this, we've got a way to have someone come visit your, your house and see how you're making it. Um, we get a list of the type we, I mean, the regulators get a list of the types of foods that you're going to make. They have some time to, to work with you to go back and forth and say, you know what, these are, these are a little riskier and we would want to do these in food manufacturing and these ones are fine and let's get some recipes and let's understand this. There's a lot of infrastructure and, you know, and, and, you know, tax dollars, right. That goes into that. And I'm good with that. Like, I, I like that a lot. I think that that helps support this. And this is a jumping off point for small businesses, right? Like if I can do this in my house without a lot of infrastructure, maybe five years down the road, I'm like, I, I'm making jams and jellies at a, at a shared use facility. And then maybe 10 years from now I'm making them. I built a, a my own place here that I'm doing it. And, 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 and I, I like, I, I, I really get the fostering of that. But there's an there's a, a part that makes me more nervous, and I mean we've talked a little bit about this on on risky or not, um, but it, and it's it's highlighted here um, in this the proposed uh, law from uh, from Montana. It, it really they talk about here, um, you know, foods like you know homemade food for traditional community social events including weddings funerals potluck dinners like that's meals that's a that's a different thing for me like we do have a lot of like those are riskier we temperature control matters if i'm making just pans and pans of like chili uh that i'm going to serve at a at a family reunion and 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 that's in commercial use the person who's buying it i should have some level of protection that that someone's following the the food code or or other rules to make that meal. And so the the proposed uh, um, wording on this, at least as it's uh, reported through Food Safety News, is the six year old Cottage Food Act is put through regulatory reform by the Local Food Choice Act. For example, home cooks would not have to provide any other labeling further than homemade, and that makes me nervous. Right? Like like I I, I think make allowing for 
making it easier for someone in their home to 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 make food and sell it to people I, I'm for but I but I don't want to I don't know. I don't want to increase risk. And, you know, we, we're, we're now missing allergens. We're now, we're, we're skipping over, um, you know, uh, the control of food. And I'm, I'm not, I don't think that the, you know, the free market's going to take care of that. Right. Like, I don't think someone who's buying it for, from, uh, someone who's making it in their home is going to ask all the questions of like, well, tell me about your, you know, how are you trained in food safety? <laughs> like, I just, I think we're, I, th- I don't think it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. And, and this, so this came up for me and this is why I reached out to, to you guys for, for feedback on this. I got a call or an email from a reporter, an AP reporter uh, named Terry Tang, who's doing a story uh, basically on people with culinary experience who, because of the pandemic, have tried cooking out of their homes for extra money. Right. And so uh, and, and so we had a, a, a very good and wide ranging discussion about the risks of hot meals versus you know low risk foods like jams and pastries. Um, and then, and then again, I reached out to see if there, what, what states actually allow this. And, and as the only thing I could find was that, uh, our friend of the show, Linda Harris, who apparently has a lot of emails in her inbox, <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, record breaking, um, record setting, um, uh, said that California does, yep. but I'm not aware of any, any others. And so, and I, and I don't, I don't think Terry's article has come out yet. Um, but, but, and hopefully it will come out, um, because I always like when I do, do a re- interview with Associated Press cause it gets picked up, um, you know, cause they're a wire service, um, and, and they do, they do a nice job, but I have not, have not seen, uh, I've not seen anything on that particular topic come up. Well, and I think that this, it highlights it's not easy to figure out what the what the regulations are, right? It's very it's very local. I mean, it's a it's it's state by state, but also like kind of implemented sometimes at a at a local health department level. And there's just not a lot of research into this. Like that's to me one of the. It, I, I'll, I'll again show my bias and and sort of frustration, I guess, with with how we fund work in, in the, in the area that I work in the most, which is this like messy area of like people that want to make foods at home or sell at a farmer's market. We just don't have a whole lot to go on on what those practices look like and who they are and what their training needs are and what they need. And it, and it runs outside of where a lot of our focus has been in the last 10 years, uh, outside of FISMA, because these businesses are, are almost certainly all going to be exempt from the federal rules on this. So, so you, you know, there's tons of money that's available to help people comply with that, with that rule, but there's not a lot of, of money available to help people comply with no rules <laughs> in right. this area. And, and it's, and it, and it fits like, you know, it, it's such a pandemic conversation because more people are looking for additional income because we're in the midst of a pandemic and they've lost their jobs. And, and, and how do I, how do I do this? And maybe I make good barbecue sauce or maybe I make good empanadas and I want to sell them at the Walmart parking lot or at the farmer's market. And, and what, what do I do? How do I do that? And how would we even regulate that? And and our you know this not to get on my like full out rant here, but the very people that are going to do the regulation of that are the ones that are helping out with vaccine clinics right now and have been doing contact tracing. Like I mean, it's just a it's such a messy area, and there just isn't there's not a lot of resources to to do this. And I don't think that the answer is less regulation. I think the answer is some some level of like smart targeted um, regulation that that allows for this in a low risk 
in a, in a, in a way to, to reduce risk and, but also gives tools to people to, to do this. But I, yeah, I don't know. It's, this is a, it's, a, it's a big, it's a big area. And I think, I just think there needs to be more like funds available to people to help with this. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's for sure it's coming and we, and we've talked uh, repeatedly on this podcast about the conference for food protection and specifically the committee on uh, third party delivery services yep. and, and the, my, my work with that committee um, which actually came up in some conversations yesterday as well. And I'm still, I, I repeat this anecdote every time I can because it blows my mind um, that we, I asked at some point, I asked a local person how they found these companies that were essentially illegally selling foods out of their home. Um, and she said, they, we look on Facebook, right? I mean, like yeah. that's like, I just uh, like, okay, so your job is to regulate uh, these people and how you find them is you go on Facebook. I mean, it just, it blows my mind that that's what they have to do, but that's what they have to do to find, to find these folks that are, you know, admittedly, I mean, again, and I have, and this, like this came out in my conversation with Terry Tang. Like I, I have a huge amount of sympathy for these people, right? Like they lost their job. They work at a restaurant and they lost their job because guess what? For a long time in the pandemic, people weren't going to restaurants. People still aren't going to restaurants in the numbers that they had been previously. And, uh, and so, so what do those restaurants do? They lay people off. And then those people, like, what's their job? Their skill is cooking food in a restaurant. And so, Jesus, you know, they need something to do. And so, of course, they're going to try to be entrepreneurial and try new things, right? Um, and so that's – I mean, that's I, – I have the utmost sympathy for those people. But at the same time, it's like, well, we have we have to find a way to do this. Again, it's just, it's it's like raw milk hamster, it man, right? Like we have to we have to find a way. People are going to do this. Let's find a way to help them do it safely, right? Right, right. Absolutely. So in real-time follow-up, since we We've been talking about this. You and I got uh, tweeted at uh, something I just sent you, uh, a link to chicken empanadas that are for sale in Levittown, Pennsylvania on Facebook. And, you know, here's the not, not yeah, not outing anybody on this, but I'll read the, the marketplace uh, post chicken empanadas, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, made to order and ready to fry at your home dozen for $20 pick out in Levittown COVID free home PM me if you'd like to order. So, I mean, th- that's just one example, right? Like, I mean, I, th- I think w- the the paper I want to read, Don, that is, is like where someone spends like two months or three months scouring marketplace in across the world to find out what types of foods are being sold and, and just g- give us a list, right? Like, I just want to see right. what that looks like and where and, and all that. Like, I, someone needs to write that paper. But someone who's going to write that paper? No one, because there aren't funds to do that. <laughs> Well, but you know, if you're if if there's a will, there's a way. Ben. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to be passionate about it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to make time. You got to spend spend that yeah. time and spend that money. I mean, this is you know. Here's the thing, Ben. There's students out there that are looking for research opportunities, and they can't come into research labs because of the pandemic. And so, you know, uh, you could put them to work looking on the internet. All right, I'm putting the call out right now. Hit us up, listeners to the show, because we know we have some students. Every time that Don, when we used to be able to travel, every time we would go to a meeting, IAFP or elsewhere, there would be some students uh, who who come up and say, "Thank you so much for getting me through my qualifying exams." All I did was listen to 12 episodes of Food Safety Talk, and I sounded like I knew what was happening. Uh, and and we're happy to support that. But if you if there's someone out there who wants to do some some research on food that is being made in people's homes and sold on Facebook, I'm I'm your guy. 
We'll, we'll let's let's yeah, do this we'll, here's the thing here's the thing this is the offer i often make to students you collect the data right i will help you analyze it and then we will write the paper yep. right and so yeah so it's that's out there like like let's 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 do it let's get what what would we need we want we want it to be geographically representative we probably want hundreds of uh, examples of foods, right? Um, we and again, just keep in mind this is only looking on the internet. This is not yep. actually buying and testing foods. No, right? This that's is just part looking, two. looking on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is just looking on the internet to see what's being sold. Uh, you know, let's make and again, you you can go on the internet from anywhere, right? Uh, and but let's say let's focus on foods maybe being sold in the United States. Uh, let's try to get representation from every state, um, if possible. It would be good to get an idea of how much is going on in each state. You know, and so I don't know, hundred, hundred samples, two hundred samples. I mean, it'd be great if we had a thousand examples of foods, right? Uh, let's let's find out how big this is, what kind of foods, what states. I mean, it doesn't. It, again, it does not have to be a perfectly well designed study, but and, and, of course, and of course, if nobody's interested, then we're not gonna we're not gonna do it. Right, right. But it's it's not, it's something that doesn't exist right now. Like we don't have that. Right. We don't have that list. We like, and I would I would love I would love it to to, to, to talk about that. So we can, I mean, I think it, it, that's, what's needed to show so, some of our state and, and federal regulators, like, Hey, this is a big, this is a big deal, right? Like let's, let's look at, here's the amount of cost. Like we even just estimating, we need someone in the, in the world of economics to just estimate what the, like what the local business food economy looks like in this, in this world, like what percentage right. of food right. is sold through Facebook? Right. Well, and let and let and let's and let yeah. So let's so, okay. So for, for example, for this this chicken empanada link, it's okay. Okay, chicken empanadas, twelve for twenty dollars, and then there's and then Levittown, PA, and then there's two photos. There's a photo of the top of the empanadas, and then there's a, a side cutaway with the empanadas cut open. Like like that. That's a lot of information, yep. right? Like, I, and I think you know, and we could even do sort of a quasi risk uh, thing, like fried yep. empanadas. Yep. That's a pretty low risk food, right? Uh, the guy who's selling sushi, maybe not so much, right? But let's so let's 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 go out, let's let's do this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we need so th this is it. We put it out there. We are we are here for you if you are interested in this project. Let's and then the next part of this, you know, because I'm an ideation guy, Don. It said it right <laughs> on my on my strengths. Um, I, you're one, pretty good at woo too, I think. I, I'm only I'm only eighteen. I'm only number eighteen at woo, but. I, the the next the next study is a citizen science study where we actually buy this stuff. And, oh yeah, and and we put it out there and let's 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 actually do this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Now that's right. a little harder to do it because is. a lot of this is local pickup, right? And so we'd have to say, well, okay, it's only going to be stores that are or pickup locations that are within sixty miles of New Brunswick, New Jersey, and Raleigh, North Carolina, and you know who knows? Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll find her. Davis, California, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, we'll get we'll get there, and and uh, we'll, we want we want citizens. We'll 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 figure out how to, you know, how to how to move money and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get to that. We need, the first thing is we need the we need to figure out what's out there. So exactly, there you go. Look at that ideation, strategic uh, um, achiever. Well, I guess I haven't checked that off my list yet. Here, uh, an arranger. I feel like I just arranged something. You did arrange some stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, would you say that I was? I activated something there because it's a number seven's activator. It's not in bold, but it's. I, I don't know. I have to. I have. To, I have to do a little bit more research. I have to spend my fifty bucks and take my test uh, <laughs> and learn a little bit more. 
Positivity, that's number nine on my list. I'm very positive. Ooh. But Harmony, number 32. So positive, but and, not and we, and we know you're, you're crap at empathy. Oh, yeah. It's right, right, it's right there. It's, it's it, in the report, and also Danny confirms it. Absolutely. That's the best. Uh, it, it really it she really is. She, she, really is uh, she really is a remarkable woman, I just have to say. <laughs> uh, she is really uh, – you are very lucky to have her. I am. Uh, I this Yes, and not, she does – not only does she remind me, I remind myself of this. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, okay, so there's a couple of things of feedback that ended up in, in our follower uh, our follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's talk about uh, an article – or an article, a um, – uh, podcast that we did on Risky or Not on uh, Toilet Bowl Milky Way. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we got this really nice email um, from uh, from someone. Well, we'll, we'll just call him uh, uh, Deep Doctor, right? I think. <laughs> I didn't. I don't think he said Doctor Dank. The Deep Doctor. No, that's me. Doctor Zippy <laughs> Dank is me. I didn't write this. Uh, so uh, he, uh, he writes. I was listening to more podcasts this AM while driving. Uh, driving my dog, Australian Shepherd, to and from a, a trading class, the Toilet Bowl Milky Way raises the question, who wants a Milky Way that badly? The discussion reminded me of an article I read years ago, diarrhea, quote, diarrhea, whose feces matters, which if I remember correctly, said not uh, said one is not only at risk from infection from one one's own stool. Uh, right. Some, one is not at risk from one's own stool. Uh, see attached public med, uh, pug med link. Okay. Um, uh, thanks for, uh, and he talked to us about, uh, milk on, on the counter, but I had not seen this, uh, PubMed article. Had you, had you seen this? Were you aware of this? I was not aware of it. Um, it is, uh, it is paywalled. I was eventually able to get it from, by logging on through my university. And did I put the article in the thing? Uh, I think I did. You, you did not put the article in the thing. But I'm uh, I'm I'm, acc- um, I'm accessing it. Okay. Um, because, huh? That's weird. Uh, uh, okay, that's annoying. I, I'm I, okay. So anyway, it's not. It's an editorial. Mm. So it's not. It's not a really a science article necessarily. So I, yeah, it's a little bit. I I got that's so annoying. I I'm, I apologize. I did I did get the article. I did find the article, and I I must have saved it somewhere where I can't find it right now. So, um, but yeah. So I'll and it and because and there's no abstract available because it's not an actual research article. It is an editorial. It's an opinion piece. Um. So, let me see. Okay, here it is. Sorry, I've got it. Um. So, let me. Let's see. Yeah, it is. It is opinion. It, it's in the section opinion and analysis, and so, uh, and so there is some data. Um, let's see. Where should we enter this article? Um, maybe find the end. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. It's not. It's not a research article. Um, Let's see. We are in. I'll, I'll read the final paragraph. We are in the process of developing and and evaluating an intervention that will promote the appropriate use of potties by toddlers to avoid 
fecal contamination of the household environment. The impact of this intervention to prevent diarrheal diseases will depend not only on the success of its implementation and utilization, but also on the relative importance of this route of transmission in comparison with other important routes such as contaminated foods or hands. This intervention may be sufficient for dry settings such as coastal Peru in areas where there's significant rainfall, all stools not deposited in a safe place may need targeting, thus interventions in addition to potty training, which involve other disposal mechanisms, are likely to be necessary. Um, and so, yeah, this so so again, it, it's it's not a peer-reviewed study, as I've said several times, but it was there. There was some uh, there was some information. So, are are you? Do you have anything to say about this? No, just just that I I think that that's for for me the, the way that I would approach this, right? Like that mm-hmm. that I that you know, and like we talked about in the um in that episode of Risky or Not, um. I assume that if someone is living in my home and they have a diarrheal illness, that I will get that illness. Like, like that, that right. it's very difficult because and especially like we're sharing the same space, the, the poop and, and vomit is uh, in, you know, in the area that I would be around. I think it's difficult to do. And I, and I like, I just, we're, we're all, um, not sort of high risk individuals. So I don't worry about it as, as much. I think it would be different if, if I had like, um, an elderly parent who is living with me that, that I would worry about are my kids poop more, um, it's infecting, you know, and pathogens in their poop infecting my, um, my, you know, my, my mom or, or dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, oh, so, so I, yeah, so I, I have a story and then I did find kind of the nut graph from the article. Okay, go. So, so all right. So, can it, so this is the, the as they say the nut graph. Uh, can infants develop diarrhea after being exposed to their own feces? Okay. The the presence of human enteropathogen in a child's stool may be a result of three things: the child having diarrhea caused by that organism, the child having a subclinical infection, right, to which he or she is immune, and the child having a subclinical infection to which he or she is not immune. In the first two cases, exposure of the child to their own feces will have no direct diarrhea consequences for that child. Third alternative exists when the child ingests a dose of an enteropathogen that was sufficient to cross the gastric barrier and arrive in the small intestine, but insufficient to cause disease. Evidence from challenge studies with human volunteers not immune to the challenge organism confirms this possibility. Challenge dose of 10 to the 5th to 10 to the 8th is required to cause illness, as CR discussions about dose response is, you know, there's a lower probability with lower doses. Um, uh, and then Shigella, the dose response is, is even lower. Uh, most of these individuals will become immune to the infective organism even when clinical illness is not developed. A re-exposure to the same organism with a higher inoculum could in principle induce diarrhea if it happens before the child becomes immune. Although this has never been studied, the risk of this re-exposure may not be high. Therefore, we conclude that the feces of children less than two years of age are, with few exceptions, seldom a threat to themselves for the development of diarrheal diseases. That is not a paragraph I would have placed in the middle of the article, but that's, but the, that's there. Nevertheless, yeah. there it is. Now, in terms of risk to others, I think about this particular anecdote all the time, and it's when um, my grandparents were still alive, and my uh, my then wife, now ex-wife, and our two small children went to visit my grandparents, and so we had our kids, ourselves, my parents, my grandparents, and the kids got diarrheal illness and they were young. They were in, in diapers still at the time, at least one of them. They had the diarrheal illness and my grandparents had the diarrheal illness. Nobody else did. Hmm. Right. And so really it comes down to like, like immune systems, right? Basically. 
And so the kids were naive. So they got the disease and my grandparents had, you know, they were old. They were, you know, in their, probably in their seventies, uh, if not their eighties. And so they, their immune systems were not as strong. And so they also got the illness. Huh? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But, and it, but our exposure was all equal. In fact, if anything, my my now ex-wife and I were probably the greatest right. level of exposure, right? Because we were handling the poopy kids, right? And then my parents maybe less so, and my grandparents probably even less so. But but that didn't matter because it was all about uh, you know uh, strength of the immune system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I th- and there's yes, <laughs> and I think that was the. That, you know that that's the whole thing with the with the Milky Way. We'll we'll link to that episode so you, so everyone knows yep. what we're talking about in the other podcast. But um, you know, Milky Way uh, bar uh, in the package falls into the toilet, still eat it uh, is is really the the risk here, not question. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so another piece of follow up, which is really cool. Um, we talked in the last episode, I think, uh, about um, uh, bake sales, right, or some point that maybe right. it was food. Maybe it was risky or not. We talked about bake sales. Oh, yeah, it was in risky or not. Anyway, so um, someone uh, uh, listening to the show, a uh, listener, uh, Susan, emailed us and said, hey, uh, the bake sale episode took me back to a 1994 mm. outbreak of Hep A, 79 cases in our county associated with a sick food worker at a wholesale club bakery unnamed in the article, but, you know, and we won't out them here, but, you know, pick your favorite, like, you know, large sales club, uh, uh, grocery store worker was drizzling glaze on a products with ungloved hands. And there's a link to a journal article. So, uh, we'll link to this article. It's really quite, I, I was not familiar with this one. Um, so the articles in, uh, epidemiology and infection in 1996, uh, article is entitled an outbreak of hepatitis A associated with a bakery, New York, 1994. Um, and then it says the 1968 West branch, Michigan outbreak repeated. So, you know, calling back to, to history here, but there's a really cool part, um, in this article, in the discussion, let me find this, um, uh, in, uh, investigation of food preparation at the club. So investigation. So as as uh, as uh, listener Susan says, there were um, seventy nine cases. Uh, club A primarily sells commercially prepared food items delivered prepackaged to the club, including most baked goods. In addition, an on-site bakery proofs allows dough to, uh, to rise to ready for baking. Some commercially frozen items, such as Danish pastry, cinnamon rolls, and breads then bakes them at 175 for 15 minutes. After cooling, Danish pastry and cinnamon rolls are glazed by hand using a commercially prepared sugar mixture. And in fact, this is where the investigation went. So all most of the things, again, we're talking, just like we talked about before, low-risk foods, baked goods. But if you handle the glaze post-bake post, uh, um, uh, with, you know, uh, not, cleaned or, or sanitized or washed hands, uh, this can lead to, to risks and is what was the likely source here. After cooling, uh, there, oh yeah, glazed by hand, sugar glazed baked goods remain on store shelves for no more than several minutes to become hot. Um, bakery employees were observed wearing gloves when applying the sugar glaze, although some workers said the gloves were not worn consistently. That's the, you know, the highlighted uh, thing here. Um, use of gloves or some other barriers required by New York state law to prevent bare hand contact with foods that are not subsequently cooked. Uh, three bakers worked at the club because the epidemiological data implicated the bakery as the likely source of contaminated food. Attention focused on the only baker with the IgM positive serum, Baker A. 
Uh, this person denied having diarrhea, jaundice, or other symptoms consistent with hepatitis. However, the um, MCHD, so I guess that's the, uh, what county? Monroe County. Oh, okay. Yeah, MCHD received information that Baker A had mild diarrhea in the middle of March 1994, about 30 days before the peak of the epidemic curve. Um, and so, uh, us FDA contact the manufacturer of the sugar glaze. Uh, you know, we don't think it was the, it, it was the glaze, but, um, basically the, the thought here was, um, that there was a, a bare hand contact of sugar glaze onto the Danishes that this person, uh, threw their hepe hands on into and led to 79 cases. Pretty, I mean, it's a pretty interesting outbreak. This, I like this one. Yeah, and and again, I I you know I am a huge fan of um, risk ratios, right? And and again, uh, if you can get a copy of the article, Table Four, uh, risk ratio, what pops to the top of the list are glazed Danish and any sugar glazed item. Risk ratios are high, and the confidence interval for the risk ratio does not span one, uh, which means that that is those are likely the foods, and and obviously that's that's consistent with with the the other evidence. So it's a lock, right? I'd, I'd say this is this is. Well, it's a statistical lock. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and, and this is one, one thing. I can't remember why this came up in my thought process the other day. But one, um, I, I, you and I talked about this a couple of years ago when I went to CSTE, the mm-hmm. um, Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists, I think it yep. is. So yep. it was here in Raleigh a couple of years ago. We were going to go. Like I think last year it was in Seattle, right? Like like you and I were going to go there and hang out um, before the pandemic hit. Uh, and it was June 2020. Um, friend of the show, Michael Bazzacco, got me uh, invited. Well, that didn't get me invited. Invited me to just hang out with him when it was here. I loved it. But the one thing that was like – that I took away from that, and this is not – there's no shade, no lemonade to our, our friends in epidemiology, but solving the outbreak, right, finding the food and finding the, the likely um, practice done, right? Uh, you know, wa- wash our hands. Epidemiology is done. Let's move on to the next one. Let's, let's be the detectives on, on our next outbreak. And where, where you and I lie and, and so many of our extension and outreach colleagues lie is, okay, now what do we do? How do we learn from this to figure out what do we need to do with other practices? Like in, in this, you know, this, this case is, uh, you know, you, you got a bare hand contact with, um, with glazed donuts as, as the likely, um, situation. I see that as being like, here's an example of why we need to think about no bare hand contact, not just in touching, handling food and preparing food, but, but doing something where my, my, my bare hands may be sticky with glaze and I'm touching and, and moving things around. But also it might be that the, just there's like sugar glaze dripping off my hands that are leading to this contamination, not really not getting into exactly all of those practices, but the epidemiology is done. So we, so we, so we found what we think is likely the the case. I, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is we need to do a, a we, I, we consistently need to do a better job working with epidemiologists as food safety practice developers to 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 complete the loop on that to 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 take what's there and use those examples and share them with with others like i i really 
felt super strongly after watching like literally like 40 presentations in a two day period about outbreaks that I had not heard of that had examples of things that I wanted to tell the industry and sitting with, with Michael and saying, these stories need to go to the industry. And he's like, yeah, they do, but that's not what we do. Like that's not part of our function. So right. yeah. Anyway, this, this right. article made me think about that again. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So good. Thank you for, for listener Susan for, uh, for sending that to us. Uh, what else, what else we, anything else in the, uh, in the list here you want to talk about? Well, you know, there's one thing that I, I, and again, I apologize that this has not been, uh, timely. Uh, I really, and I don't think we've talked about this. So this is the feedback we got about parking lot tamales. Did we talk about this yet? Uh, we, we talked a little bit about feedback from parking lot tamales, but then I think we got some more since we've done that. Yeah. So, and this is specifically feedback from a friend of the show, Alex Castillo. Did we, and, and so this is, and I, I apologize because I, I, these, these, this email come, these emails come in and I respond to them and I put them in the thing and I forget whether we talked about them or not, but I did also respond to, to Alex via email, but this does not sound familiar to you, right? We, no, we did talk about this one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we did. Okay. We did with, uh, he, he, uh, highlighted a couple of JFP articles show. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I, I think we talked about this back in, um, back a couple episodes ago, but all right, well, yeah. you'll cut that out. But uh, anyway, sure. thanks. Thank you, Alex, for, for writing in. I apologize. We're not doing a better job of, uh, keeping track of who's doing what here in terms of follow-up. So yeah. my, my, my bad. No, no, all good. All good. Um, that, that was all the stuff I had to talk about. Um, did we talk about Michael Batts and the metal brush? <laughs> no, I'm not sure we did. I, I think we talked a little bit about it on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. So, so this is, is boy, fucking nightmares. Thank you, Michael. Um, so this is feedback from our show, uh, uh, Risky or Not Show 121 Greasy Grills. And a friend of the show and friend in real life, uh, Mike Batts, uh, writes to us from uh, Twitter. Uh uh, he says, uh, let's see, where is a good one to link to? He says that um, I posit that cleaning your greasy grill is probably riskier than not cleaning it at all if you use a metal bristle brush. And then in that metal bristle, in that tweet, he links to an article um, from uh, American Journal of Case Reports entitled Grill Brush Bristle Case Series, Three Unique Presentations of Ingested Foreign Bodies. And if your stomach is beginning to turn a little bit with just the reading of the title, don't go any further and fast forward, uh, fast over uh, a few minutes. Um, but, and we won't talk too much about it, but basically uh, they report on three unique cases of accidental ingestion of grill brush wire bristles. And so Michael's point, uh, the, the good, the good uh, uh, bats from Twitter, his point is if you clean a grill with a metal brush, you might get little metal brush particles on the grill. And turns out when you ingest those, eh, it's not good. So yeah, maybe find another way to clean your grill other than a metal bristle brush. <laughs> yeah. How about, how about this? Let me read from this case number three. <laughs> oh, please, please don't. No, it's just one. Um, okay. Just, just, and, and, you know, please, people, people listeners, if you're if you really like medical articles and that have a lot of pictures, oh, go go, yeah. go look at the pictures, or don't if you don't. Um, the patient recently had a barbecue, 
and noted discomfort in his throat after eating a piece of grilled meat. A neck x-ray showed a small metallic wire, figure six, so you can see Oof. the actual x-ray. The ear, nose, and throat specialist was consulted to, in, to attempt to move this foreign body. However, it was too small to visualize. It was thought to have passed in the gastric lumen. Next, gastroenterology was consulted for possible evaluation and removal of the foreign body. And on this is a, a like an, an entire word that I will butcher and esophagastroduodenoscopy duodenoscopy was performed, but was unable to detect the foreign body CT. So think about this. You've got this brush, like wire brush, uh, uh, bristle stuck. People can see it on these, um, uh, like on an x-ray. We know it's there. Now you've got three people that have gone in to find it and they can't find it. Yeah. Um, so CT imaging was obtained suggestive of su subtle extra linear focus of high density in the left, uh, mesentery adjacent to the loop of the small bowel as described. So it ended up moving and gosh, I, yeah, this one scared, this one scared me now, like, uh, and not, I mean, this is the medical world, right? Which is based on cases and anecdotes, not like how many people get foreign bodies every year. I, not many or foreign, you know, bristles every year. Not, not many, but also the consequence pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ugh. Uh, so right, so yeah. let so let's 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 do let's do it. This is an interesting one. So this is a um, pre foods pre risky or not food safety talk feedback. Oh. <laughs> okay, so this is this is an uh, uh, a a potential point for discussion on risky or not, which we have not yet discussed. But then uh, a feedback from that response, which was, you know, uh, this is a great question. Uh, it's I don't think it's risky. You adding it to the queue, a more generalizable appeal. And this comes from a listener to the show, Sarah, and we'll link to her tweet um, of more generalizable appeal, which leftovers be redeemed, can, I think can be redeemed through thorough reheating and for which is the risk of toxins so great that can't be salvaged through heat? Asking for my cheap New England family members, not my cheap Jewish family members. <laughs> and so my response to Sarah is it's complicated and it depends. Um, it depends on how long the food is in the fridge, ingredients, container, how it will be cooked. Um, again, uh, most leftovers don't have pathogens to begin with. Uh, the cold temperatures stop most pathogens from multiplying. And I, I've been answering versions of this question repeatedly, you know, about this whole idea. People are really interested in leftovers and food safety at a variety of different levels. Um, and then again, I think what happens with leftovers that get left for too long is usually spoilage. And so they're gross, not unsafe. And then so finally, Sarah says, so you're saying I should stop self-righteously chastising my frugal relatives for their habits with leftovers can i still give them grief for eating rare hamburgers and my answer my response to that is yes please yes please yeah yeah no but good 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 questions and and i actually do you have anything to add well i i'm gonna um use this so i i got uh contacted by reader's digest uh oh me too oh well there you go about things in your refrigerator that you should yeah. throw out yeah yeah so i me gotta too. respond to to those questions uh today but i'm gonna use this as an example so it'll sound very similar i think uh you know it's like it um we we on a I don't know, every month or so we'll go through our fridge and throw stuff out that's been there for, for a while. But, but I, I think you're like your answer to, to Sarah is exactly it. Most of the foods that are in there wouldn't, would, 
I, I'm assuming are, don't have pathogens in the first place. Like from a, unless it was raw and needed to be cooked, but all the leftover stuff and, and, and condiments. So, um, but, but I think people get, and not like in general, I think it's, it's just this gray area and, and people who, who have dealt with spoilage from like, have, you know, consumed milk that is spoiled or consumed something that's been moldy. It's, it's such a like terrible experience that you just get over like worried about it. And, and the, the difference between spoilage and, and pathogens don't, doesn't like, doesn't matter anymore at that point. Right. It's like, I, I'm just, I'm just going to get rid of stuff because it's old, not because it's going to make me sick, but because it might be really spoiled. So, right. Yeah. So, so do you, do, do you want to, do you want to come in, uh, fresh or do you want, do you want to, what do you want my responses? I want your responses. Yeah. Okay. But before I'll, all right, I'll forward you, I'll forward you the chain. So yeah, cool. Yeah. cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm totally take your, I'll take all responses. Uh, and then I got to find something new so I get something, you know, so I get quoted too. Cause, <laughs> cause this helps me. This is, or, or, or we could, you could find one where we disagree, like I'm risky or not. Ooh, true, true, true. This, uh, number 10 on my list on is competition. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's a show. I think it's a show. All right. Well, um, Don, I, I, I will report now after talking to you for an hour and 45 minutes, I feel as good as I did an hour and 45 minutes ago. Um, good, good I, news. I, yeah. I'm, I still can't get past this. Um, these pictures that are on my screen, thanks to Mike Batts of a uh, suspected area of perforations in the inflamed <laughs> small bowel. Thanks bats, uh, for showing me those, uh, wire brush, uh, uh, bristles. Well, um, in his defense, he didn't, he only gave you a link. You, you actually showed it to yourself. <laughs> true, 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 true. That's, this is a good point, but he knows I'm going to click on his links. <laughs> he knows, uh, he should do one of these things. What's his woo score. Yeah. We, he's his woo. He's a maximizer. I bet. <laughs> uh, you know, we should, this is, we, we, we should have, we should invite him on again. He's, oh, he's, we should totally should. He's not been on for a while. Um, and, well, and we have to be careful. I could, have we had him on since he joined the dark side? I don't know. We're, I'm going to ask him. I'll text him. Okay. Yeah. And, we should, we should totally get him and, on. And I'm just going to send him a text saying, you want to come on the show? We don't have any topics for you to talk about. We just miss you. We want to, <laughs> but we also need and, to, get, and please don't talk about wire brushes. No more wire brushes. Also, someone else of the show that we have to invite back, which we haven't talked to him for about a year on the show, is, is Larry Goodrich because yeah. um, there's a new uh, just you know heads up, risky or not episode coming out soon uh, on a question that he posted on his Facebook page about blowing out candles. Not saying, uh, you know, not not alluding to any reason why we're going to talk about candles. Not that it's anybody's birthday soon at all. Uh, but but I do want to invite Larry on because I want to talk to him too. I feel like I'm. The, I, I just want to talk to more people that we know. Uh, I've missed. I've what missed. you're saying is you're tired of me. No, I, I Don, I'm not. <laughs> you know, you're not very empathetic, Ben. <laughs> I'm totally not empathetic. I, I just feign empathy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's have let's have some folks on that that don't yeah. ask us to come on uh, because they're promoting a book. Uh, yes. Well, and if it is somebody we know, I mean, if, if yeah. Phil Marler wants to come on again, if he's got a new book, yeah, where's my wallet, Bridget? Was that <laughs> something? Get yes. my wallet. It's on the uh, well, title of the episode. Where's my? We'll link to that. Where's yeah. my wallet? Um, all right, good stuff, Don. As always, it's fun to catch up. Glad that I'm not feeling uh, poor, and I thought I was. Uh, I, w- I was prepared to feel bad, but I'm. I'm feeling good. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.
Every time you every time you said I feel good, I keep thinking James Brown. <laughs> well, when I texted you yesterday, something of like I feel fine. I'm si- uh-huh. six hours past and I feel fine. All I thought was, well, how can I make that an REM end of the world as we know it? And I feel and fine. I feel fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I heard in my in my uh, head at that point. Um, cool. All right, so let's look at what we're doing. Oh, Stanley wants inside. Hopefully someone's downstairs to let him in. Oh, so I was really pleased that my stump grinding finished before you. Yeah. Came. It was a little bit noisy, so. No, that, that worked out great. I'm I'm in the market of purchasing another mountain bike, like an, a new-to-me mountain bike. Have I told you my like my long history with my current bike at all? It's it's from 1994. It's No. <laughs> it's very old. I I purchased it in high school off one of my like close friends who was looking to purchase a better bike. And so um, it, it was like a, you know, in, in 1994 dollars, I think it was like an $800 bike that, that he sold to me for like $400 that he'd ridden for a few years. And, um, and I, but I still ride it. I've upgraded some things on it, but now it's like such old technology that yeah. when I'm out on the, the trails, there are, there are people who are like, wow, that's a real classic, buddy. <laughs> that's nice that they say it that way. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, <laughs> they have real empathy. <laughs> they they do they they have real empathy. Um, hey, so if you want, so my my younger son is super into all sorts of cycling, and so if you want his oh. recommendations, I'm sure I would be I'd be happy to hook you up with yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would. Yeah, and he's this is the one that's in Colorado. In Colorado, yeah, yeah, yeah and he goes he goes like bikepacking, and he's got his he he's got like a bunch of bikes. He, they, I think they have a limit. He's not allowed to get any more bikes. Oh. but uh, yeah, so he's he's a multiple bike uh, person. So. I'm, I'm on an entry level. I had a friend, uh, um, you know, lis- listener to the show and friend of the show, um, uh, Eric Moore, who who's at um, from Testo. He he and I he's also does a lot of mountain biking. So we've talked about this quite a bit over the last year, and. Uh, he was like, Hey, let me give you some advice on, on bikes. And his advice, and this is not like anything, his advice for, for on bikes was like much, um, m- a little more expensive than where my, uh, my entry level, uh, taste is right now, maybe someday. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm always, I'm up for like, you know, what should I get? And this, it's so hard. Like I, I, uh, I, the, the brand of bike that I have, the reason why I'm telling you this is because I looked at a bike on Facebook Marketplace, not Empanadas, uh, but bikes, which I think are probably low risk to purchase on Facebook Marketplace, um, which is a stump jumper from Specialized, that's the company name, uh, not a stump grinder. But when you're talking about stump grinding, I thought, oh, just like a stump jumper. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm all over the place. Let's look at... Uh, Two weeks from today is it's it's a little bit a little messy. What is this? What is on my lip? Who are these people? <laughs> I have something on my. Ca- oh, I know what this is. Okay, I have something on my calendar two weeks from like the twentieth, uh-huh. two weeks from yesterday that says face to face weekly meeting. And there's a bunch of people on it who I don't know, but I had to scroll down to see that there is one person who I do know um, on it. Uh, Okay, so the 21st, I've got something that starts at 11. So we could go from 9 till 11 if that works for you. It does not. I've got a food microbiology uh, journal editorial meeting. What about the 22nd Earth Day? We'll celebrate that together. I'm free (laughs) all day. Uh, I have to give the Massey lecture. Oh, I won a major, another major award. I, I, yeah. You did. You won someone else's microscope. Massey's microscope. 
congratulations. Yeah, so that that is twelve thirty to two thirty, and then I've got uh, connecting with uh, somebody from the food industry on a, a f- actually really interesting like leftovers. It's leftovers again um, uh, at four, um, and then I've got a, a meeting in the morning. But I could I could blow off that meeting probably, or or, or we could start at ten. Sure. Yeah. I have like literally nothing on my calendar all day. I also have nothing on my calendar on the 23rd, but I know that's, you've got meeting days on Fridays. So it's. Not- yeah. And I've got a, I've moved my lab meeting to the morning because we've got a, a college, a school faculty meeting in the afternoon. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's go, let's go with 10 a.m. on April 22nd. Done. Done, done. Cool. And I'll go to the other meeting and I'll bug out after half an hour. Okay. So. Yep. That works for me. That is finished. You know, that everyone, gives me, that gives me a half hour to break, uh, before the Massey lecture. So perfect. Um, everybody, every once in a while, someone who is, I think either new listener to the show or someone who just like jumped in and said, Oh, you have a podcast and listen to it says, Hey, do you know that there was at that, like after, I love that. I love that. It's the best. Like you guys are talking about your like. I think it's a mistake. Yeah, you should probably like. I don't know if you knew that. I was like, I I I did know that. That is that's all. It's bonus. This is bonus content. You get more Uh, done. Uh, Other other shows you have to pay extra for that. Right. We just put it right here. We don't make people pay for anything. Um. It's it's all it's all it's in the show. It's in the show. Um, in fact, even when we started talking about other things, when you're like, "Yeah, oh, you can cut that out," I probably won't cut it out. Uh, we're just gonna leave. That's all. That's also kind of a running bit on on this and some other shows. Exactly, it's in the show. It's all it's all here. Why? What? Low low edit. But yeah, this is all this is all part of it. So if you've gotten to this point of the podcast, we know that this is here. We. we this not is not a mistake. It's not a mistake. It's not like we just let the let the reels keep running. Um, in the, in, in the recording studio, but we're, 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 we're all here. We're here for this. Uh, sweet. I think that's it. I got, I want to, what else we got going on today? Oh, I got a couple other things. Oh, I'm doing, are you doing this? Let's see if you're on this. Yeah, you're on. We're, are we talking again this afternoon at, at three o'clock? On uh, Afto conference TCS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that is. At first, I panicked because I thought it was a talk I had to give, but I think it's just talking about a talk. (laughs) I think it's talking about a talk. Yeah, I'm just in the. I'm glad that I won't. I'm not going to be in uh, like in bed. Well, I might be. Maybe I'll feel bad by then. I kind of feel like I should feel bad because other people have been. So here's the thing. I wonder. I wonder, and there's no way to know this. I wonder if how you feel would be correlated with how bad you would get sick. Right. So, you know, like, so you would probably be one of these people that would just like be asymptomatic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, there's no way to know, but there's no way to know. It's fascinating. And now like what, what Danny and I were talking about this morning, cause she is a treasure as, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. she's like, you know what? We'll never know now if you w- like actually were asymptomatic or if any of us were right. Like that we might like, cause we, we don't have the, you know, if I went to get an antibody test now, it, now, would, it would right. be positive because I have a vaccine. That's what it should do. So, right. um, you know, it, it, going through this after over a year, it, it does feel weird. Like I, you know, either, either we, we didn't get it or, or we did and we didn't know, but it's a, like, we, we now have a very different, I don't know, different, different experience than, than others who got sick. Like we went, we made it through this whole thing and no one, you know, no one got sick. I mean, if I make it through the next two weeks or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Um, so yeah. Uh, and my kids are all, they're all back to school. 
like like in person now. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. New Jersey schools are going back uh, in a, a week or so. And and Ontario schools are, or, are my, down. near me. Yeah. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, because but they, Canada can't get the vaccine. They got no. They got no vaccine. My dad, who is seventy two, has a his first dose scheduled. I think it's Moderna because they stopped giving AstraZeneca out because of because of the clots and and all this stuff. But people basically there is AstraZeneca vaccine and people are refusing it, so now they're just stopping it. Which oh, is man. right, right. Like, it's but, a whole, uh, but isn't the clot thing? This is now turning into a second show. But isn't the clot thing overblown? Yes, yeah. But okay. but it's public perception, right? Okay. So so I got uh, you know. So anyway, he's he's going. His doctor won't give out the 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 clot the clot the clot thing uh, because people were he were showing up and refusing to take it. So they just said, okay, well, we'll just stop. To, like, it's not worth our time to deal with you're here, you're not here, kind of thing. So that so uh. I, think he, I think yeah, I know it's crazy. I think he's getting Moderna next week, like Tuesday or Wednesday, but then he's not scheduled to get his second dose until July. Like they're pushing out second Whoa. dose. Yeah, because yeah, well that's supply. a well, and that's a and that's a thing that people are doing. And in a place like Canada where they don't have the vaccine, yep. that might be a reasonable risk management strategy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all so so anyway, he so we're but but they're on um Ontario's like at I don't know, 2,700 or 3,000 new cases a day right now. We're, we're, we're here in North Carolina. We're down to like a thousand, 1100 or something. Um, so it's a really weird, weird influx inflection of where we were. Yeah. And, and your, and your parents are able to like, just not go out. Right. Like that, that's cause that's essentially what my parents were doing and still are mostly mostly doing so yeah. even though they're both fully vaccinated right yeah my dad my dad is my mom works at a hospital but she's mm. fully vaccinated and has lots of ppe and and has been she she got her second dose like january 4th or something um but yeah i mean they're they're still not doing anything socially um my dad works at a golf course so he'll he'll go back to to work there but it's also all like outside and and physically distanced like he right. he, he gets to ride right. around on a golf course and tell people to hurry up Wait, and so your and your but your mom works at a hospital. Has she been vaccinated? Then? Yeah, yeah, she was fully vaccinated. Okay. Back, oh, okay, back in January. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So she was like in the. She got hers like as a frontline, you know, uh, healthcare right. worker a long time ago. Um, but yeah, he he he's like, yeah, I've spent all summer inside. I'll go. I think he starts back at his at his job uh, in a week or so, and he's like, uh, I, I don't have to be. He's very he's very risk averse. So he's like, I don't need to be within forty feet of anybody, and I can yell at them from my golf cart. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> he's like he's that grumpy old guy who does that. So it's nice. It, yeah, he's very excited about that. Uh, cool. All right. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I, I will talk to you later. All right. But, oh, so uh, oh. Show, show notes and yep. titles that I captured are all in a text file sitting in the folder as usual. Perfect. And oh, I, I, I do have to, I have to do a rename of the folder and a copy and rename, but I'll do that right now. Okay, cool. And I'm going to edit this. I've got 30 minutes before my next thing. So I'm going to try and get the editing of audio done at least right now. And we'll be, cool. we'll be quick. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.